0: For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host,
1: Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now good morning winnipeg good morning manitoba for all those joining us live this morning on our youtube channel and all of our social media platforms we say good morning universe and welcome to the illegal curve hockey show for the next couple of hours drumendale dave manuk ezra ginsburg are here to bring you the latest winnipeg jets news analysis discussions talking points Everything under the sun related to the local NHL hockey team. They're in action this afternoon, as you all well know, 2 p.m. against the Chicago Blackhawks. We're Some people about.
2: might not know, Drew.
1: I would assume if they're listening to this game, uh, they, that they do know that. The show. Or they're game. listening to the show, that they do know that. I mean, that they're joining us live each and every Saturday morning. That Like they do. They know that the Jets play at 2 o'clock this afternoon. But you're right. There's a possibility that some of them don't, and I've just informed them accordingly. So we're both doing uh, good quality service is what I would say here. Shout out to Matthew
2: Godinez, by the way. I met him uh, when I was at the Jets-Stars game with my sister. So Matthew introduced himself... Um, and he, and he just couldn't stop talking about how he thought I was the best member of a legal curve. And I was like, no, no, no. I mean, like, obviously I didn't give you any props Drew but I was like, no, no, no. Dave's the best member of a legal curve. It's not, it's not me. And he was like, no, no, no. Like you're by far the best. You should have your own show. Like, and I was like, it was really embarrassing, but shout out to Matthew for coming up and saying hi at the jets game. It was good to meet him. There you go. Thank you for that interlude. Uh, that uh, We're all better for having heard that story.
1: Uh, nonetheless, uh, good to see both of you gentlemen this morning. At least uh, good to see Dave. You've already insulted me, Ginsburg. So I'm going to maybe uh, put you into a timeout for at least a couple of minutes before I say it's good Can to I see you. Can I put the dunce well. cap on? No, you don't have to put the dunce cap on. I wouldn't. That would, that would be rude. I wouldn't uh, insist on you doing that. Thank you, Amy. It is a great shirt. It's just so emblematic of my personality, all smiley and happy and bubbly. So I appreciate the getting the uh, the entertainment. Dave M. was laughing hysterically earlier on before we started the show, Illegal Curve off air. Dave, when I popped my little face into the screen, Dave quite enjoyed my uh, my shirt as well. Isn't that right? I should have worn
2: Dave? my dark gray depression shirt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's hilarious, Asie. Uh yeah, it was a great shirt, Drew. Great shirt. I was uh, you know, it just it it just it fits your sunny disposition so well that uh I think it's just perfectly appropriate. There you go. That's exactly what I'm hoping for. The Jets
1: in action looking to end the three game losing streak tonight, this afternoon, against the Chicago Blackhawks. We know that the Blackhawks are not a very good team, with the exception of one young superstar, Connor Bedard. So let's start there. Not so much uh just just you know your your level of anticipation to be able to see conor bedard finally uh live in person we know that the uh, assembled media were uh talking to him yesterday for better and for worse i suppose as the case may be but uh i think there's always going to you know when whenever the next you know the next young sensation comes on scene for the first time it definitely does bring a, an extra level of excitement at least to the early parts of the of the
2: contest yeah, and who did we just have in town? We had Connor McDavid and the best crowd of the year, right? David was around thirteen thousand five hundred, mm-hmm. something like, like that. that. Yeah. It was it was over thirteen thousand. I don't know the exact number, but the point is, it was the best crowd of the year. And I think a lot of that has to do with Connor McDavid, and sure. I think you know to a certain extent Leon Drysaitel as well. I mean, like let's not kid ourselves; those are those are both top five, top ten forwards in the NHL, right? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Drew, I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm personally excited. I mean, you mentioned it. I mean, Chicago, especially now that Taylor Hall's done for the year yeah. and there's no more Corey Perry. Like, you can say whatever you want about Corey Perry. He actually was having a decent start to the season. I think he had four goals or five goals or something like that. Obviously, Perry, at this point in his career, he wasn't going to, you know, help the Hawks get into a playoff spot or anything like that. But the reason why they brought in Perry and Hall was because this is a very young team and they right. wanted Hall to potentially play with Bedard but of course he's not playing with with Bedard, and that was before he he got injured. Anthony Beauvillier is an interesting one. I don't believe it's been confirmed, Drew, that he's playing today, but he did practice yesterday. Okay, he's so playing. it has That's been confirmed. He's, yeah, he's gonna going to
1: make his debut tonight for the for the Black for this afternoon for the Blackhawks. Barring something unforeseen, he's in the lineup. This is the, for those of you just catching up on you know Chicago Blackhawks transactions. And I understand that the Blackhawks' lunch. Center. No, but they're talking about it in the context of the Jets' opponent there, uh, Dave. As you know, Beauvillier was acquired by the Black. Cox from the Vancouver Canucks earlier this week uh mm-hmm. for a very i think a fifth round pick if I'm not mistaken it was very much a salary dump um from Vancouver's perspective remember it was Boville who went from the islanders to Vancouver uh in the uh in the uh my brain helping me my brain's gone blank in the uh Bo trade Beau Hor- Horvat thank you my brain was going out absolutely- Beau Horvat all I could think it was Brock Besser. Like I know it's not Brock Besser. I know it's Bo- so. Yes. Uh, so Beauvillier went from Chicago- from Vancouver to Chicago earlier this week, and he's going to make his debut for the uh, Blackhawks this afternoon uh, in Winnipeg, playing on a line with Connor Bedard and Philip kurishev I mean, look, Bedard is the headline because after that, it's pretty thin pickings for uh, the Chicago Blackhawks.
2: Yeah, no, Philip kurishev I mean- is a good player, and. Um, I think Dave Lucas Reichel, you know, is yeah, a really talented really good. Yeah. rookie as well. And Kevin Kurczynski's a first-round pick. Remember, a couple of years ago, we were talking about him uh, with Craig Button around the draft. So, like, I mean, but these are young players. Mm-hmm. So you're absolutely right, Drew. I mean, this is a team, they can score goals, but it's going to be chaotic. And if you look at, you know, the, just I, I don't think they've won two games in a row. I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure they haven't won two games in a row this year. So, that kind of shows you uh, what kind of season they've had. So they've got a yeah. lot of skill, young skill and speed, um, but they're just not very good in general, right? Like that defense uh-huh. is not very good, led by Seth Jones. Uh, Soderblom's going to get the start. So, I mean, the Jets have only scored three goals in their last three games, and only one of those have been at even strength. I'm sure we're going to touch on that over the course of today's show. But, I mean, if there's one team, Dave, that, that you want to play when you're struggling to score goals, I think it would be the Chicago Blackhawks, okay. who definitely give up a lot of goals. I yeah, was going to say, as he, they they
0: give up, they they don't score a lot. They've only got fifty four on the season, and I think they've uh-huh. given up like seventy two, which is the third most seventy eight. Se- yeah, so they're yeah. like third highest uh, in the, or th- no, the third lowest scoring team. Which I I was you know they're even the, I, the crazy part is I was like, who, how are they thirtieth? Then I realized they're ahead of Chicago. Chicago only has fifty one goals for this season. So well, you mean they're ahead of sorry, Washington? Washington, Washington. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe it though. I was like, wow. Anyways, uh, yeah, no, look, I think there's no question that folks are. Uh, by the way, I was going to do a little Moose trivia with you boys because you said Anthony Beauvillier. Which Moose? Which Moose player was the brother of Anthony Beauvillier and played for the Moose? Something Beauvillier. Good, good answer. Ezzy. Yeah, the say chat? The same Does thing. the chat know the answer? Oh, I know Nathan Bolia. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're close, as either they're spelled and pronounced differently, but very close.
0: But I was going to say, you know, we'll get, I'll let the chat uh, try and catch up on that one. We'll see if the chat knows the brother of Anthony Beauvillier who played for the Manitoba Moose. Um, but while we're, while they're looking that up, I was going to say, it's interesting because
2: um, also Cameron, the answer is no, <laughs> that's true. But, but no, I what see, I was going to say, not going to play in the NHL again this year. Is he? Who knows? I sick. have no idea. I have I mean, no idea. I really don't I know don't this, the substance of it, but, oh, Joe from Winnipeg
0: should have known that Joe from Winnipeg would, would of course is Frankie, although it's Francis, but, but, but you know, Frankie is probably a, a, you know, a fair derivative, but you know what? I believe Joe and I believe you, Dave, but that does seem a little bit made up.
1: It does. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, that's not a real player. I've never heard of this person in my life. Francis, Francis
0: Beauvillier. Guys, come on, come on. You guys
1: know. Oh, Francis.
0: I I mean, that's different. That's what I said. I said, well, he went with Frankie, but it's it's definitely Francis. Anyways, good good trivia, uh, Dave. Thank you. I I appreciate that. What I was gonna say is that I mean, he did. He was here for two years. Played uh, almost just over fifty games for the Manitoba Moose. But this isn't the Francis Bovillier lunch show, so let's get back on track. Uh, I will say, you know, it's interesting that folks here in Winnipeg, of course, who were fans of the Winnipeg Ice, would have seen Connor Bedard uh, just over a year ago. It was in November of 2022 that uh, that uh, Connor Bedard and his Regina Pats were here in Winnipeg to play the Winnipeg Ice. So uh, folks saw him play for the Winnipeg Ice, and now they're going to see him play for the Chicago Blackhawks. And this kid, I mean, this kid has just a ridiculous amount of talent. And we, you know, some of our colleagues that were down yesterday were were commenting while they watched him. Practice and the things he's able to do. And, and as he's right, Lucas Reichel, another really good young uh, forward, who's had some time developing down with the Rockford Ice who, of course, in an all Chicago's uh, weekend because the Ice Hawks were playing the Moose last night and the Moose won 4 2. We'll get into that a little bit later when Daniel Fink joins us. And then, of course, they're having a rematch on Sunday. So, lots of uh, apparently the press box is full of Chicago folks. Because uh, the media, some of the media came to cover the team because you get to cover both teams in one shot. So, uh, but Lucas Reichel is the guy who you know cut his teeth with Rockford, and now he's getting a chance up with the big clubs. So, I mean, Chicago's a young team, as right, but uh, they they don't score a lot and they give up a lot of goals. And you know what? What do the Jets right now need to do? They need score. to score a lot. So Mason Appleton said, and he didn't, you know, necessarily intentionally uh, deride the Chicago Blackhawks, but he said, I wouldn't be surprised if we popped off
2: for four to mo- four or five tomorrow. So,
0: and, and would anybody in the chat be surprised if that's what happens for uh, for the Jets this well, afternoon?
2: And speaking of the chat, we got Matt's comment up here. And, like, to me, this is a, a perfect game to get Je- Declan Chiselman, right? Like, mm-hmm. it was announced yesterday, Dave, you reported it on IllegalCurve.com. He's going to play on the second power play unit. He's obviously going to play with Dylan Sandberg on the third pair. And then Gus Bus comes back in because Nemesnikov is out for the next at least one game, maybe two. Brilliant. Like, I mean, this is a this is the prototypical game where I mean you don't have to worry about line matching. Like, yes, are you probably gonna have Lowry Niederrider Appleton that line against Bedard's line? Yes. Um, but to Drew's point, I mean you go down the lineup and there's just not much offense after that top line with Beauvillier and Bedard and, and Kuroshev. Like Tyler Johnson, you know, good veteran player and we talked about Lucas Reichel, and then you've got Taylor Radish on that second line. So, I mean, just go down the lineup. By the time you get down to the second line, like, would that even be the Jets' fourth line, right? Like, and that's where the Jets can expose the Hawks um, when they can roll four lines. And you know that the Jets are going to want to get on the board early and they're going to want to score some goals at five on five because even strength, I mean, starting with that game against Nashville, they've been shut down, right? And obviously, Ottinger literally shut them out. Um, but I mean, I, I'm not going to give a Ginsburg guarantee boys, but I, <laughs> I, I can't see the jets not scoring at least three or four goals today. Well, and look,
0: just, Drew, but, Drew, sorry, just to quickly interject is Bob asked if it's Brassois and I said, I just wanted to let him know it's actually Connor Hellebuck. Rick yeah. bonus announced that yesterday. So that was one of the other moves that, uh, was, was confirmed was that it will be Connor Hellebuck in net
2: this afternoon, which, well, of which course. May, maybe means that Brassois starts against Carolina. Uh, I don't know. I'm still I'm, inclined.
0: I'm still inclined to, to think that they're going to wait. And to be honest with you, I think they're going to, you're right. It's possible as, and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but I, I, I'm inclined to think they go Hellebuck because of the spacing. Yeah. You got, you got Hellabuck on off. Monday. And then you don't have Hellabuck again till Thursday, which of course fans will be joining us at Boston pizza on yeah. Taylor. And then again, you don't play again until Sunday. Right. So, I mean, they could start them in, they could start for saw on S- a Sunday in Anaheim or they could hold them off. And then there's that back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. So you play against San Jose, and then you give Hella the Kings.
1: Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, you always you want to get Lauren Prosoa another game soon but you also need to you know end this losing streak you're on because the Jets for the first time this year have lost three games in a row and so Mm -hmm. you don't want that to snowball any any further and this is the sort of easiest of the next few games that you have certainly the easiest of the games you have at home on this homestand with Carolina and then heading to Denver uh, to face the uh, the Avalanche next Thursday will be at Boston Pizza as Dave said for that look the Jets should be able to expose the Chicago Blackhawks, it's just that simple. The Blackhawks, I mean, they don't have NHL talent you know on their roster, I would say, beyond a handful of players. A lot, a lot of and especially other
2: guys- with no Taylor Hall and Corey Perry, like, right? I-, I know I keep bringing that up, but like, Taylor Hall was brought in to play with Bedard, and regardless if he was playing with Bedard, he, he is a bona fide NHL player, he's done for the year. Corey Perry, he's gone, and to you, so to your point, Drew. I mean, aside from Tyler Johnson, mm-hmm.
1: uh
2: who's a who's a well-known NHL player, I don't think most hockey fans, I'm not joking, could name like five forwards. You got Nick Foligno, okay. Jason Dickinson, he's second on the team in scoring. He's centering the third line, I believe. Boris yeah, Kachuk's a good player. Mackenzie Entwistle, he's on the fourth line. That fourth line actually is is a is a hardworking fourth line with Brian Donato and Boris Kachuk. Like if you look at their possession, that fourth line is actually very good when it comes to expected goals. But they just aren't, look, their power play is, I think, third worst in the league. Their penalty kill is kind of middle of the pack, I was looking at. But Dave mentioned it, right? Like, they don't score a lot, and they give up a lot. And Soderblom not, isn't exactly, uh, you know, Marty Broder and net there. So, yes, on paper, this should be an easy win for the Jets. And I'm not saying they're going to take them lightly, but you're absolutely right, Drew. So far, the Jets this year have done a good job of beating the teams that they should beat. And so today's right. no different.
1: Yeah, that's just it. So far this year, you, that was exactly the point I was going to make as is that the Jets have done a good job winning the games that they're supposed to win. Now they want a few more beyond those. But by and large, when you've been able to sort of indicate that it should be a victory, the Jets have been able to do that. And that's where you're at for with you know, sort of so the mindset. For tonight's game or this afternoon's game. Now, of course, the effort has to match the mindset, but there is no reason, especially when you look at that back end for the uh, for the Blackhawks. There's no reason why the Jets shouldn't be looking at that as as an opportunity and an advantage. And remember, I mean, I, I remember watching the Blackhawks last year. Now, the Blackhawks last year, we were even worse than this version of the Blackhawks because they didn't have Connor Bernard, which obviously is a huge addition to the roster. But the the games the Jets played against them last year just weren't even competitive. Really. The
3: mm-hmm. you know the
1: Blackhawks just weren't able to move the puck for the most part. They weren't able to get the puck out of their own zone. They weren't able to, you know, stymie the Winnipeg Jets. Now, of course, like I said, you have to match that effort again, but there's no reason, especially if the Jets, you know, if you if you believe the words that they uttered let yesterday after practice, you know you know that they feel as though that they left points on the table against the Edmonton Oilers. You're up one nothing with into the last, you know, 6 7 minutes of the game and you lose 3-1. Mm-hmm. That's got to leave a little bit of a bitterness in your mouth, Dave. Um so the Jets need to go out and they need to sort of jump on the Blackhawks early, I would argue in this game. And the Jets have not been fast starters necessarily. Uh, this season a lot of their games in fact have been sort of uh, a feeling out process in the first period but this would be an opportunity I think just get off to a good start today against the Blackhawks which will leave you feeling good for the remainder of the contest Dave
0: yeah and look Rick Bonus spoke about it yesterday from the Matt Frost Media Center and, and he said look every team is going to go through a losing streak and and, right. and going to have these situations where guys we've saw Kyle Connor who's been finishing everything I mean, he had a lot of great A's last game. He didn't yeah. finish them. You know, he made Stuart Skinner look like Marty Brodeur. What is this, devil's lunch? But the point is that I, I think it's it's a, you know, you're going to have that and you have Ehlers hitting the post and there's a lot of guys who just aren't getting the luck right now. And and, we're, and as he touched on it, you have one even strength goal in the last three, right? So it's it's not a good uh, feeling right now in the sense that these guys aren't scoring at five on five and their are five on five play since really the Devils and uh, Buffalo series, you know, that back-to-back against those two teams, even though they picked up wins, that the, the play has fallen off. And Rick Bonus mm-hmm. was asked about the fall off in possession and expected goals. And he said, yeah, we've, we've definitely noticed it. We're not playing. Yes. We Winnic- would like
2: to possess the puck more.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, we're actually fine. We're fine. Losing faceoffs, We're fine. Not possessing the puck. As long as Connor Hellebuck makes every stop. But, um, it's one of those things that you can definitely see that there's been a bit of a fall, and and in the sense that, like I said, Kyle Connor was on a historic pace. You had a lot of guys producing, and now you've you've had a little slowdown in that regard. So this could be the exact thing that you need to break the dam open and have a good feeling again in that room. And look, it doesn't take a lot to get these guys fired up and and rolling. And and I think we haven't seen. And again, that's one of the things we have to focus on with this Jets club so far this year: is can they stymie something like this? Can they arrest? a bit of a fall, and, and you had tough opponents that you just faced. I mean, Edmonton, for all the people maligning them, Edmonton feels good about their game. They beat Vegas. They're, they're, they're,
2: they've turned things around to a certain degree. People Dallas have forgotten, playing... Dave, that before the season started, a lot of people were picking the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. Just, go, right. back, just go back and read some previews. You're right? absolutely so, right. So nobody was expecting that type of start, like the first you know, 10, 12 games of the season, whatever yeah. it was, before Jay mm-hmm. Woodcroft was fired. I think it was more like 15, actually you're absolutely right I mean and, and, and like you said Edmonton uh, came into that game having won three in a row obviously it's now four in a row so don't take anything away from Edmonton because Connor McDavid is now playing like Connor McDavid so you're right mm. I think the Jets still look they could have easily had a point in the Edmonton game they could have easily had a point in the Dallas game yep uh, I don't know as, as much about the Nashville game but you're right I, I think look Shifley Connor Ealers. I think you know they played really well they were possession positive, expected goals were were uh I forget what it was, but it, the, the possession numbers were good. I remember that. And I think mm-hmm. the other thing that's gonna be interesting, guys, is with Vellardi on that top line with Perfetti and IFLO, it's gonna be interesting to see. I know that Rick Bonus said that Perfetti and Vellardi are going to share faceoffs. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm I'm not sure, you know, if that means 50-50 or if that just means you know on certain sides, you know, Velarde is going to take the, the face-offs or in certain situations, but it is going to be interesting to see that line because we haven't seen that line together yet.
1: Yeah, well, and I want to talk about the forward lines more in depth a little bit later on in the show, but I thought, you know, which is worth noting, of course, that Declan Chisholm is going to make his Winnipeg Jets home debut, right, Dave? Uh, uh, right. He's obviously nice played some games uh, for the Winnipeg Jets before, but today he, after getting recalled from uh, the Manitoba Moose, where he had his conditioning assignment, and we'll talk to Daniel Fink at the bottom of the second hour, uh, and we can touch on that because obviously Fink saw him play, uh, oh, you know, a number of games over the course of that conditioning assignment. But Declan Chisholm is going to get into the lineup in place of Nate Schmidt uh, for this afternoon's contest, and I think it's, I think it's the right move. I think it's a good move to get him in. This is pretty much, uh, you know, as easy of an opponent as you can, uh, as yeah. you can get get him into the lineup for. And there's an opportunity for him to maybe show off and gave a little bit of a boost, I think, to that second power play unit. Because, I mean... Even though he's such a young player at the NHL level, he's got number, you know, a significant number of Moose games behind him and AHL level uh, games behind him. But we know how offensively inclined he is, and yeah. you heard Rick Bonus talk about it in his in his comments in the last couple of days. He wants to see more from the Jets defenseman, and so how are you going to get more? Well, Nate Schmidt hasn't been able to do it so far this year, so maybe it's Declan Chisholm's
0: time, Dave. Well, when you look at the numbers, they don't lie, right? Six shots by the defense versus the Oilers had over thirty. I mean, six shot attempts. Yeah, six shot. Sorry, six shot attempts, and the Oilers had over thirty. I mean, it's just it's not good enough. And they and they think they have ten goals. Brendan Dillon, of course, the Bobby Orr of uh, the back end, but (laughs) they do have ten goals. I think this season from the back end, but it's and which is around that forty-ish pace, which is usually what Rick Bonus wants it to be in. But I mean, at the same time, you just have to be aware of the fact that Chisholm, this is the perfect game for him. It really is. I mean, first of all, he's he's played half these guys when they were in Rockford. Yeah. But I mean, it's been 23 months and I, I thought it was just interesting because he and Dylan Samberg, of course, made their NHL debuts in Detroit uh, that January of 2022 together. And now, uh, you know, like I said, it's it's almost two years later when he's getting into his he played in St. Louis. What one, one more game after that road trip hasn't played an NHL game since. So 23 months between games. And it was interesting because Sandberg yesterday played his or sorry, two days ago, played in his 100th NHL game. So I thought what a interesting trajectory. You know, yeah, exactly. Difference
2: of, of and you attended of your Wilson. 1400th Moose game. I did. I did. I did. That's he a good put, point. Des. He
0: put him on the jumbo trot and saluted him. <laughs> but, anyways, the point is that you know, Declan Chisholm is a really interesting case. And, and I think he's exactly what this Jets team needs. He's he's an offensive defenseman. Mm-hmm. His defense has been better, and he's a confident defenseman. And, and that conditioning assignment, like it would have made no sense to me to send him on that conditioning assignment, play yeah. him. He ended up playing six out of the seven games that he was down with the Moose for two weeks for because he was ill for one of them. I think it was actually the Wednesday in Rockford. But the fact is that he's feeling good about his game again. I talked to Mark Morris, Morrison, the Moose head coach about him a couple of days ago, just what it meant to have him back with them. And he just said he needed to be playing games again. And so as soon as you get him feeling confident about his game, and now game. he's going to be feeling confident about his game. Cause if you threw him into a game now, cause of course we know the jets didn't want to lose him on waivers, but if you threw him into the game cold, Yeah, having not played since the preseason would have in my mind been disastrous because practice is great but it's not going to replicate a game even at the ahl level but now you have put him in a position for success for two reasons one because he has that conditioning assignment under his belt but more importantly as you've touched on drew he's going against the chicago blackhawks who are of all the opponents you're going to face you don't want to throw him against dallas you don't want to throw him against edmonton right put him against chicago let him gain some confidence and and like you just said Hopefully, he gets that second power play unit going because he's a very offensively minded guy. He can get that puck through and he's a very good skater. And I, and I think folks are going to see what this kid can do and if he's given that sort of that that
2: opportunity. I do think well, we should pump the brakes a little bit in terms of like, yes, he's an offensive minded defenseman. And I'm not saying that Drew or Dave is saying this or anybody in the chat or watching is saying this. But I wouldn't expect him to come in and look like Scott Niedermeyer, right? Like, and I think you know the lack of offense from from Nate Schmidt. I actually think and I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, the numbers, uh, the analytics, and the eye test, I think match up on this one. I mean, the reason why Schmidt and Sandberg have been so good is because of how simple their game is. Like, and I think that's what you want a lot of the time out of your third pair. Simple is not bad. Like, simple doesn't mean that you're not able to do more. I just think like. Sometimes when Nate Schmidt cheats a little bit, right, Dave, or pinches um, or just tries to do too much, you know, he he gets in trouble sometimes. He turns the puck over and, you know, he plays on the second power play unit. Yes. So Drew's right. Chisholm will get that opportunity. But all I'm saying is I think, you know, you have to pump the brakes for him. He's going to be nervous. I'm not saying he's not going to do well. I'm just saying, like, I I don't think our expectations should be that you know, Chisholm's going to score a goal on the power play or, no, of or he's going to score two points or anything like that. I think, you know, you have to take baby steps here. It's yeah. a good opportunity for him. And I think, you know, this is part of, um, you know, a larger defensive picture here with Logan Stanley not really being impressive in the lineup. And then you have Vili Hanola coming back in three or four weeks. So really, you're going to have to address that. And, you know, this is a great opportunity for Declan Chisholm, whether it's just a one-off game or, you know, maybe he plays against Carolina if things go well. But I don't necessarily know, Dave, that, you know, what he does in this game is, is going to necessarily cement his place in the roster. Because, no. you know, they're not going to want to have Nate Schmidt sitting in the press box for too long.
1: Well, but, they, but why not? I mean, Nate Schmidt has had 20 games of an opportunity to to cement that job. To right,
2: and him his and Dylan position. Sandberg were, what were they, number one in yeah. terms of expected so, goals versus expected goals against? So, right, but, Nate I Schmidt's mean, uh, been good. He's been fine. Well, I,
1: I mean, I, I wonder how much of that is Nate Schmidt and how much of that is Dylan Samberg is what I think the Jets coaching staff is probably thinking is that what they want from Nate Schmidt isn't what he was necessarily delivering and that they might still be able to get the same or better from that pairing of Schmidt, of, of, of Samberg and now Chisholm for mm-hmm. today's game and maybe get some more offensive upside. I think that's what the the, the mindset probably is, is not that... You know, defensively that they were poor because they weren't because you know and 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 we know those numbers and how good they've been at neutralizing the opponents that they faced but that they want to see if they can keep the defensive numbers where they were and add some offense
0: to the picture
1: that's what i think they're looking for
0: yeah and and chisholm and sandberg have some time together in the AHL, so they'll have that familiarity and chisholm is going to play on the right side uh for the in that pairing so I Mm -hmm. mean look I I think as he's right though I mean you know you have to always be cautious and not put too much on a young player and and that's one of the things we're gonna have to see but I I think again if there's an opportunity for him against I mean again I think they'll probably put more keep Morrissey out against Bedard but I just think that Chisholm is gonna get an opportunity to show off what he can do which is skate like hell and I mean again he's one of the best defensive skaters uh, in the organization in my mind and He's probably one of the best skaters, period, I should say. And and again, like I said, he brings a level of offense and he can make a great first pass. So if he can play with the confidence that he's displayed throughout the course of being an AHL All-Star and just one of the best players for the Manitoba Moose, uh, it'll it'll serve him in good stead. And and maybe, to Drew's point, because I, I think, and as he brought up Heinola, you have to always factor in that in. And I know we're yeah. going to have to break right away, but you want to see what can Declanchism do and, and give him a, a, you know, a couple of games to kind of establish... How valuable is this player? Because look, Heinola is definitely going to the Moose. There's no question about it, and he'll condition with the Moose for my guess is three weeks, two to four weeks at least to get his conditioning up. So, so my guess is you're not seeing Hanola, even if he's ready. And remember, we don't even think he's skating yet. So Heinola's is not until a 2024 decision, anyways. But I think you, as an organization, want to say okay, we're protecting this guy. We've kept him up on the roster. We've put it at the peril of putting other guys on waivers. What do we have here at the NHL level? And you're not going to get that from one game. So you really need to get Chisholm into, I would say, half a dozen games and Mm -hmm. then see what you've got and then you can make a decision organizationally. And now you have that opportunity if you so choose
1: because as you said, Dave, you know, Schmidt hasn't earned the job Stanley hasn't earned the job maybe Chisholm gets a run with it starting you know the beginning of December and then you can sort of see what you got at, with the in the back of the mind knowing that you also have Billy Heinla potentially also entering into the picture six weeks from now or however long it takes for him mm-hmm. to get back on ice and then playing some games with the Moose because I think you're right that Billy Hein. anyone expecting Billy Heinla back in the next month is probably way too soon you're probably looking at this point I would suggest probably closer to the middle to end of January Rather than any time before that, so mm-hmm. Declan Chisholm has an opportunity, and it starts today. And now he's got to be simple, but at the same time, he also wa- you also want to see him flash some of that offensive upside that the Jets know, or the, at least the skating ability that everyone knows he he possesses. Let's head to break for the first time this morning. When we come back, our good friend from the Winnipeg Free Press, Mike McIntyre, is going to join us. It's a Saturday morning. It's a Winnipeg Jets game day. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Much more to come. We're live. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show bottom of the hour welcome back to the illegal curve hockey show drew Mandel, dave Manuk, ezra ginsburg thrilled to welcome to the program our very good friend from the winnipeg free press mike mcintyre joins us mike good morning how are things in your world
3: things are terrific fellas uh seems like uh seems like i was just on with you but then i look back i mean all the way back like before training camp I think in <laughs> September. Yeah. Time flies when you're having fun and uh, I know you guys have a <laughs> lot of fun and I always that, have fun when I join you.
1: That or your, exper- or, or your time spent with the legal curve leaves such a negative imprint it seems that like it be, is, it's a burden on you for
3: months after the fact. You, you raised a good point uh I won't discount that.
1: <laughs> Thank you Mike. I appreciate that. Anyways, uh good to see you on this Saturday morning and the afternoon contest for the Winnipeg Jets against the Chicago Blackhawks. You know, Mike, I'm a big college football fan and you know, Every now and then in the course of a college football season, when a team is struggling, they tend to face another team, often at a lower level than they are, right. and it's called a, a get-right game. You don't obviously want to discount any opponent at the NHL level, but boy, doesn't this seem like it could be a quote-unquote get-right game for the Winnipeg Jets, given the struggles of the Chicago Blackhawks this season.
3: Well, it does feel like a, an important one because you look at who the Jets face their next two games, right. the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, they are always uh, a challenge for Winnipeg and any team, really. They're one of the better teams in the East. I know they've maybe had a bit of a a start by their standards that that isn't quite what they'd expect, but you know you're going to get a good game from them. And then the Jets start that road trip next week against Kale McCarr and uh, Nathan McKinnon and company in the Colorado Avalanche. So, you know, you look, (laughs) if things don't get right today, and now all of a sudden you're looking at four straight losses, and with who they play in the next two games, suddenly um, it's a a little bit different perspective. So I would agree. Uh, I won't call it a must win. I don't think there is such a thing as a must win when when we're this early in the season. But it's a... uh, it's a, they would really like to win and they kind of could use a win game. Of course, uh, the Blackhawks, I mean, they're, they're a team in a very different place in that they're rebuilding and nobody's expecting much of them this year. Um, they're probably not all that happy with the state of their game either. I know they, they lost uh, pretty handily the other night in, in Detroit. Uh, but yeah, on paper, this would appear to be a mismatch. Will it play out that way on the ice? Um, well, that's one of the beauties of this sport. Anything can happen. But if you're the Jets, and specifically, guys, I'm looking at the the fact they've scored just one five-on-five goal over the last three games, mm-hmm. just three goals in total. This is a team that I think we'd all agree shouldn't have any real issue scoring goals. Suddenly, they have for the last few games. You look at the Blackhawks. I think Arvid Soderblom is going to start in net today. That you look at the blue line, there's a lot of who's that guy, who's this guy, um, you know. It, it's a chance for sure if things go well to, to, you know, get a lot of things going in the right direction, including maybe the offensive attack.
2: Mike, change is in the air this afternoon with Declan Chisholm coming in uh, for Nate Schmidt, and as you know, and obviously Vlad Nemesnikov's not going to play this afternoon. Gabe Velarde is going to go up to that second line where. We thought there was a good chance that he would be in the top six, uh, you know, after his first game or his right. first couple games. Right. So you got Cole Perfetti uh, and uh, Gabe Velardi and Alex IFL on that second line, which means Gus Bus comes back in. What are realistic expectations, in your opinion, for Declan Chisholm? Obviously, this is a great opportunity for him. Um, you know, Nate Schmidt has been a healthy scratch in favor of Logan Stanley. Uh, and also, this is the first time we're going to see Chisholm at home playing for the Winnipeg Jets.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I know he's only played two two NHL games and uh, they were both two years ago. I didn't realize until I think it was Dave's tweet I saw yesterday that mentioned that they, they were both on the road. So no doubt Declan Chisholm's played a lot of games in Canada Life Centre, just not in an NHL uniform. And guys, you know, you look like what an interesting decision again. This is going to be the third healthy scratch for Nate Schmidt, a very expensive healthy scratch. Next to Josh Morrissey, he's the highest paid defenseman on the team. And he's going to be in the press box now for a third time already. Um, and, you know, if you're Declan Chisholm, this is certainly a great opportunity to show what you can do. And, you know, Nate Schmidt, for sure, you know, that pairing with Dylan Sandberg, I think there was some underlying metrics that suggested they were actually pretty solid, really solid at times. But I think for Nate Schmidt, I mean, they wanted a little bit of offense from him. Rick Bonas just talked the other day about needing to get more from the blue line. Obviously, he's not referring to Josh Morrissey, but trying to get the blue line more involved. You know, Nate Schmidt just had one assist in 20 games, and he's on the second power play unit. Mm -hmm. I know they don't get get the same amount of time or the same volume of reps as the top power play unit. But with just one assist, I mean, Declan Chisholm's going to get a chance now on that power play and it'll be interesting to see if you know we we know he can do great things with the moose on the power play this will be his chance now to be on an nhl power play and uh, obviously if you're the jets you'd like to see that start to heat up a bit because it really has been a factor in several games um you know clearly he hasn't played a whole lot this year he had that conditioning stint for sure um so i don't know if we can have you know massive expectations But uh, it's a great chance for him. And if you're Declan Chisholm, what you want to do today is play well enough that Rick Bonus says, you know what, I'm going to leave things just as they are uh, on Monday. And you go from there, right? You take it one game at a time. And so I'm sure Declan Chisholm is treating this as a chance to not only show what he can do, but prove that he can stick and make the decision a real tough one for Rick Bonus.
1: Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Mike McIntyre, the Winnipeg Free Press, is our guest. Talking about the Jets and the Blackhawks. Reminder, after the game, later on this afternoon, just before 5 o'clock, it is the Illegal Curve post-game show.
0: You know, Mike, one of the things that uh, with the injury to Vlad Nemesnikov, who got tangled up with Darnell Nurse on Thursday and is going to miss today's game and possibly Monday, according to Rick Bonus, uh, we're going to see a hybrid center on that yes. second line. We're going to see Gabe Velardi and Cole Perfetti. And we're not certain who's going to start there, but it sounds like strong side faceoffs. And we saw. How much yeah, like Mike, cut. how are they
2: going to take the face off at the same time? Like they each just hold, like, b- like choke up on the stick? Or well,
3: I'll tell you what, the Jets won twenty. What it was twenty nine percent against the. Uh, they they could have used two guys in a time at a time <laughs> in the dot because one guy was not cutting it. Uh, given how much the the Oilers absolutely schooled them in the dot. Um. Yeah, maybe, maybe guys, they'll, maybe they'll use the old Mark Shifley, Tyler Sagan, like rock, paper, scissors to decide <laughs> before each draw. That'd be fun. Um. Yeah. I mean, look, I talk about expectations. I didn't have it very high ones for Gabe Velarde the other day. He didn't have very high ones for himself uh, just because of the injuries coming back from, and, and it's one thing to kind of ramp up in practice. It's another thing entirely to go into a game, especially when you're, playing a team like the Oilers who, uh, you know, they can really get up and down the ice. I thought Gabe Velarde was fine. Um, I mean, he, he's, he didn't do anything five on five that stood out. Certainly the power play, you know, he's out there that first unit. I know he didn't contribute directly to the goal, but that unit obviously scored on its first chance. A really nice play by Mark Scheifele and, and finished by Cole Perfetti. Uh, so you'd think Gabe Velarde is probably, now that he's got a game under his belt, Maybe we see a little bit better version of him today. And yeah, I mean, I, I think, especially with the injury to Nemestikov, maybe even if there hadn't been the injury to Nemestikov, he was going to move up, I think, fairly quickly into this lineup. I am intrigued to see what that group can do. Um, you know, I think I thought the Ehlers Shifley Connor trio the other night, I thought they were really good. They were creating, the Jets weren't creating a whole lot, but they were often the line that was. Mm-hmm. With, was buzzing a bit so I can see why they'd want to keep that trio together for at least a little bit longer um I still think at some point we probably see Gabe Velarde go back up with Scheifele and Connor uh but for now Nicola Ehlers stays there and yeah really interesting decision you know Cole Perfetti has been playing very well obviously um on the wing I don't think this is going to, you know, taking some face-offs, playing a little bit of center. I don't think it's going to alter what, how well he's been going. But uh, it does give the Jets some some additional options for sure. And look, as I mentioned, they've been absolutely destroyed in the face-off circle. I guess it doesn't hurt to see if Gabe Velarde can help the cause a little bit.
1: Yeah, and that's certainly the case. Mike McIntyre, our guest, Saturday morning, the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know, Mike, you know, Alex Ayafalo, you know, when he was up with Connor and Shifley to start, you know, real good results, real good performance, tailed off there a little bit, you know, since then. Are you surprised that he's still, so? and obviously the caveat is, is Nemesnikov's current injury, but are you surprised that he's still elevated in the lineup and they haven't maybe looked at doing something with a guy like Morgan Barron, who to me, I, I think there might be more from Morgan Barron that I wouldn't mind seeing him move up a little bit and get an opportunity to play in a bit of a higher role uh, in the lineup. Because I don't think that, you know, moving I down with Gustafson and, and AJF, let's say, for example, is really going to impact that line. I think that line's still going to be fine, but I wouldn't mind seeing maybe if Morgan Barron can give a little bit of a boost up top.
3: Yeah, I mean, certainly the points haven't been there for Alex Iofalo the way they were over that little stretch where those guys, those three, were, were putting up a whole pile of points when the right. Jets were on that win streak. Um, I, I don't know, you know, you watch Alex Iofalo, like he's pretty consistent in what he does out there. He's, a, he's kind of a worker bee. Um, so I think I think they, it's not that they're unhappy with him. And, and mm. you know, I think he brings some elements that they still really like in that top six. Um, you know, I think if Nemesikov hadn't got hurt, though, there was a chance, to your question, Drew, that he might have been bumped down. He might have been the guy to go down. I mean, it's easy now with Nemesikov hurt. Um, someone's got to stay up there. But when Nemesikov comes back, I do wonder, because, again, I think they really like what Nemesikov and Perfetti have done together and Ehlers when he was with them. I, I wonder if we might see that. And then, I mean, you might now be talking about a fourth line once is back of something like fallo Barron, and Gustafson, and maybe mm-hmm. Kapari when he gets back. And, you know, suddenly that's a fourth line that uh, certainly doesn't look like a fourth line on paper. Um, you know, so the key is obviously trying to, to remain healthy here, and the Jets are a little banged up now, but... Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I thought Morgan Barron again was really good the other day. He's kind of like Alex Iffland that he always gives that honest effort. You, you, you know what you you have with him. Um, so I think the Jets do have options that they could potentially look to to move up or down if if the need requires. Bottom line is they they got to get this whole lineup kind of going in the right direction because as we mentioned, the offense for whatever reason has kind of dried up as of late. Now is it just a run of hot goaltenders? UC Saros was really good last week. Jake Ottinger obviously was, was really good the other night in, in, in the shutout victory. And I thought Stuart Skinner played a great game. But that being said, I don't know that the Jets tested him nearly as much as you'd like on a goalie and a team that had given up a lot coming in. Um, so maybe that run ends today. Uh, t- to your earlier question, uh, this does feel like one of those get right games for sure.
2: So, Mike, I always thought that Evander Holyfield was the real deal, but in today's Dump and Chase column, which I've got right here, you can see it. Hard copy. Oh, I Hard like that. Kenny yeah. and Mike say that Connor Bedard is the real deal. So apologies to Evander Holyfield. But
3: so what's and the plan? J- and <laughs> James Neal. I thought James <laughs> exactly. Neal was the real deal. Yeah,
2: let's not forget about James Neal. There's Absolutely. a lot of real deals out there. So Mike, uh, what's the strategy? Do you just have Dylan DeMello basically shadowing Connor Bedard Bada- Bada- all game, like he was doing with Connor McDa-
3: uh, McDavid the other night? Well, and it's a great question, Nezzy. And you know, I thought, I thought the Jets until that power play goal. I thought the Jets had done a really nice job of controlling not only McDavid, but also dry And those guys were playing on separate lines until, uh, coach Chris Knobloch put them back together. I think at one point in the third period, and they were largely taking shifts together. I thought the Jets had done a really nice job of containing that, that dynamic duo. And I'm not talking about Batman and Robin, um, You know, I think at one point I had looked early in the third period, like they had one shot on net combined between them. Obviously it doesn't take a whole lot for those guys to make an impact and they, they team up on the game winner on the power play. But yeah, I think if you're the jets today, you're, you're employing um, a fairly similar strategy. And so I would think probably Adam Lowry is going to see a bit of, a lot of the Bedard. Let's hope he had a good sleep again as, Rick Bonus joke the other day, earlier game today. So not, not quite the same chance maybe to, to sleep in. Uh, and for sure, Morrissey, Demello, they're going to get a, a, an eyeful of them, of Bedard. I guess the big difference though, between Chicago and Edmonton, like they have Bedard for sure, but there's quite a drop-off after one <laughs> player. Right. And yeah. it's even more dynamic now with like Taylor Hall injured obviously the Corey Perry situation. Like this is a team I was looking last night. Not only does Connor Bedard lead the team in scoring, he's got a six point lead on the next highest scorer on his team. Um, You know, there's a significant drop off. So if you can keep Connor Bedard in check, uh, you've gone a long, long way to keeping the entire Chicago Blackhawks team in check. You know,
0: Mike, this is, this is Jets related question, but it's also kind of a general question because you know, we saw the play uh, against Josh Morrissey, where it was essentially a basketball pick, where he got—he's yes. you know, trying to track McDavid, and he gets picked and he gets knocked down and knocked out of the game. Jets lose him for five minutes, and obviously Adam Lowry has to answer the bell and and go after Yanmark. But in your mind, and you asked Rick Bonus about it uh, the next day in the Matt Frost Media Center, I believe, talking about the, uh, the if he got a further explanation, do you think yeah. it's time in the NHL? that there's some higher level of accountability for referees because I mean, there's so many times and we talked about it after the post game show, not from like with a Homer lands on it or anything like that. Just the idea that whenever, if you have an additional official on the ice and they're watching the play where the puck is and they are missing things that are, again, hockey is a fast game, but that's the reason why you have an extra one. If they're missing this stuff, it's, it's as egregious. And you asked Rick Bonus, I believe it was you, Mike, saying, did you get an explanation? He just kind of, he says, they don't owe me an explanation. Yeah. And so oh. what's your perspective on that? Because it just seems like it's, we talk about it. We're like, we don't understand what's going on. And the NHL, it kind of looks like, it looks amateur hour to Apollo, really, because there, there's no accountability for the referees.
3: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I've I've written in the past that I'd love to see a situation where whether it was like one pool reporter after a game doesn't have to be that the referee has to hold a scrum, but -hmm. like a pool reporter can pose a couple questions to an official to explain a, a controversial or a pivotal call. I would love to see that. And, you know, Dave, to your point, I think it's more important than ever. The NHL is in bed now with, with, sports gambling right legalized it's a huge part of their brand watch any tv broadcast you're <laughs> inundated with betting ads. so if you want to be taken seriously and you want people to potentially put money down on your product and not in a way not in the traditional way of buying tickets to a game you want people to wager you better be as transparent as humanly possible and that's that goes for everything from injuries and again i i argued the nhl has miles to go when it comes to transparency on on injuries you see how the nfl does it compare that to the, what the nhl does it's night and day in terms of the disclosure of what the ailment is and how likely it is to keep a guy you know sometimes we don't even get upper and lower body anymore we just get body injury um <laughs> but i would agree the same thing when it comes to officiating that when there's a call or a non-call that is potentially a turning point in a game, and I go back to you know last year the the Garrett Rank non-call on the maskless uh, Connor Halliburton like yeah. that you know and and again this isn't a homer take I I look around the NHL I watch a lot of hockey you can find an example almost every night in another game. I don't know if you guys saw it the other day. Garnet Hathaway of the Flyers, John Tortorella was unhappy. Well, and he should be. Mm-hmm. It was it was a five minute boarding penalty. I've never seen a boarding penalty given out when the guy wasn't even hit into the boards. <laughs> it was it was near the boards, sure, because there's boards around a hockey rink. Um, I don't even think it should have been a two minute minor, let alone a major, and to call it boarding. Um, Again, that would be one. And and the crazy one about that is that was actually reviewed because it was a major, mm-hmm. it was reviewed and upheld, which is just mind boggling. So yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent. I just won't hold my breath on that happening guys. Um, certainly not under Gary Bettman's watch, because I think there's always been that air of, you know, we don't have to answer quite, we know best. Uh, how dare you question You know, these are the best officials in the world, blah, 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 blah.
2: Gary Bettman's actually, Mike, working on putting digital ads
3: on the referees as they're skating around (laughs) the ice. (laughs) Uh, Anything that that makes money. Nothing would surprise me anymore, but uh, yeah, I'd like to see it. I just won't hold my breath waiting for it to happen.
1: I'd agree with you there, Mike. You know, big picture when you look at this Winnipeg Jets team through the first quarter of the season, you know, Right now they're in a playoff spot, you know, albeit you know a little bit of a slump with the losing three in a row. But before that, we know how great they've been playing. We know how many points they racked up, you know. And if you if you were to ask people, observers, you'd say, oh, the Jets probably should have enough offense. There's no reason why they would need to go out and acquire enough. But then if you look at some of the metrics, the the the, the advanced stats that get published maybe on a weekly basis or that you can delve deeper into on a weekly basis, it says the Jets are plus defensively but actually struggling on the offensive side yeah. of things. I mean, sort of a two-part question. I mean, one, it's that you know, it's that 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 concept of the Jets being plus defensively and minus offensively is is hard to comprehend here in Winnipeg. And then, second right. of all, is that your area that you would be targeting if you were Kevin Shovel Dayoff looking for an upgrade as more offense, be it from the back end or internally up front?
3: Well, and I think um, yes, I, I I think that is a part of it, but I would think the back end might be more of a priority and again it goes to what's happening in the lineup today and you know Nate Schmidt being a healthy scratch for a third time I think when you look at the Jets that right side and potentially an upgrade there I mean sure maybe Declan Chisholm maybe Billy hanela and again we 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 don't know what this team might have looked like had Billy not broken his ankle mm-hmm. would we be talking about him about to play his 23rd straight game tonight for the Jets I think that's probably unlikely because that would mean arguably 23 healthy scratches for Nate Schmidt. But I do think we might have seen a little more of Billy Hanel. And he's a guy that, you know, can bring some offense from the back end, um, which is something Rick Bonus has talked about wanting more of. Um, You know, and I think it's hard to judge entirely what what this group is capable of offensively when a when a top six player, the prize return for Pierre-Luc Dubois, has only played now four games, I guess. I don't even view it as four games. I view it as two games, guys, because his third game, he lasted a couple of shifts. And again, Mm -hmm. the other day, I just view that as getting his feet wet. Like, we have not seen what Gabe Velarde can bring to this lineup. We've seen what Alex Iofalo can do. We've seen, I guess, some flashes of Rasmus Kapari, but he was never going to be a guy that puts up big, big points. He's a, a bottom sixer. But, you know, give it a couple of weeks, I say, and get Gabe velardi up to speed. See if he can spark the power play, you know, because that's been a real sore spot for this team. Um, and then maybe reevaluate. If you still are not generating maybe what you'd like offensively now with, You know what you would argue is a a mostly, if not fully healthy forward group with a a prime player back, then for sure, I think you'd look to that. But if I'm sitting here today, I think the back end is still the area the Jets would be looking to improve on, specifically on the right side. Um, Not so breaking news, there's a lot of teams out there that are looking (laughs) to improve on the right side of their blue line. So the Jets uh, take a number, get in line when it comes to that.
1: And you talk about the health and and you know, the forward groups, you know, relatively healthy. But you know, when you read between the lines a little bit about Gabe Villardi's comments, you know, especially how the anger he expressed at Blake Lazat for what he called a stupid hit, you know, you wonder and and, and he was saying, you know, how close he was for having yep. his entire season to be over. you wonder, If he's, you know, what his level of health is actually going to be at for the course, uh, the rest of the season, really, because it sounded like, I mean, there but you know, a couple inches. It sounded like his entire season may have been up in flames, not just the six weeks that he missed.
3: Well, and he 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 offered a little insight on that when he said, and now Mm -hmm. I'm paraphrasing, but something like, and now there's things I've got to deal with the rest of the season, um, and I think I maybe. Asked him, like, are you talking about the brace that you have to wear? And then he talked about how uncomfortable that is. I think Dave, you and I were chatting after that that news conference, and we wondered, like, is there something, is there another shoe to drop here? Like right. when the season ends, is there gonna be something else? Is there another yeah. procedure or something that has to happen here? And this is just basically a temporary uh fix to get him in the yeah. lineup until you you do something that if they did it now would probably end his season. So yeah, it's possible, Drew. To your question, we might not see the full capability of Gabe Valardi, and and how sad is that? That you know it comes in Game Three against his old team and a former teammate, and you know obviously a lot of uh, bitter feelings over that. And um, you can mark down that game in uh, I guess what eleven days from now in Los Angeles, and uh, I'll I'll be there. I was gonna say I'll be there at Staples Center but it's not even called that And is it crypto still I, yeah, I,
1: it's crypto.com isn't it although it, and maybe yeah. it, that would be you know bankrupt.com at this point in time right like is
3: is that's a, a strange business practice but whatever that arena is called yeah. uh, i'll be there on that next road trip and uh, that could be a spicy affair um you know depending on uh well i, I think Blake Lazaud actually is is injured right now that i i just saw I saw something about him shedding his his non-contact. So I think he's working back towards a return. But I guess it it wouldn't (laughs) be... Karma has found him, Mike. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So if he's in the lineup, um, he may have have a call or two to answer that day uh, in terms of an on-ice receipt, if you will.
2: Mike, I wanted to ask you about the goaltending because we were talking about it uh, first segment before you came on. And I mentioned that maybe Lauren Bressois gets the start against Carolina. Obviously, you know, <laughs> Brassois didn't have his best game against the Nashville Predators. That was back on November 26th, I believe. And, you know, then Drew mentioned maybe he doesn't play. You mentioned the California road trip where there's a back-to-back. Yeah. You know, Drew mentioned maybe he doesn't play till that game against San Jose, which would be December 12th. So that would mean, you know, if my math is correct, what, 15 games, 15 days between games, 16 days between games, like, Bressois started five of 22 games. Hellebuck has started 17 of 22 games. And I'm not saying that there's anything, you know, necessarily wrong with those numbers. But the question I wanted to ask with you is how concerned are you with maybe the way the Jets are using Bressois and Brassois game, right? Because I think part of the reason you would agree that the Jets brought in Bressois was so that he could play more games than David Riddick, right? And, you know, to me, like, you, you, you have to be playing him more than once every 15 or 16 days.
3: Yeah, and I, at before the season started, I had predicted 27 starts for Bressois, basically one that, he's, that he'd be playing every third game. <clears throat> you know, I, I thought Connor Hellebuck probably 55. That's a sweet spot. 55, 27, there's your 82 games. And then you hope, you know, you've got to really refresh Connor Hellebuck to go on what the Jets would hope would be a long playoff run. Well, at this rate, forget about 27, he's going to be lucky to hit 17. Mm-hmm. And Connor Hellebuck's going to be approaching, you know, mid to upper 60s. Um, guys, I, I, I firmly believe if the Jets had won one or both of the games on this homestand already this week, Dallas-Edmonton, that Lauren Brassois probably is in net today. Yes, I, I think they have maybe called an audible. Yep. And I think they're taking a wait and see here. If they win today, I'd say there's a good chance Lauren Brassois is in the net Monday but mark me down for this. If the Jets lose today and now the losing streak is at four and you've gone over for three on the homestand. Right. No um, chance
2: for swap plays Monday. Then no,
3: I think then <laughs> you, you go, you throw the original plan out the window. Um, so I think a lot will depend on how today goes and, and the result that they get, you know, Connor Hallibuck, he, he's been playing extremely well as of late except for that one stinker. And, and what a, yeah. what a time to, you know, and we we didn't get to talk to him after the game. I do wonder guys, and he'll still say that he absolutely should have had it. You know, Darnell nurse made a nice play to kind of shoot it between Dylan DeMello and use him as a screen. But I think we'd all agree it's from far. And it's not like that was right in the slot. Like that's far enough out. You'd expect Connor Hellebuck would have had the time to react to that. And that was a bit of a deflator, right, because the Jets are six minutes or whatever away from, you know, shutting out a pretty potent team and 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 getting a victory. All of a sudden now the Oilers had life and we know what, what ultimately happened. Um, that being said, Connor Hellebuck's been very good as of late. Um, we'll see what today brings. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the Brassois situation is one keeping an eye on because I do get the sense that what the plan was at the start of the year and what's actually playing out. Um may have changed a little bit and isn't that often how it is, right? You kind of talk a good game, but when push comes to shove, mm-hmm. uh coaches have a hard time um not chasing wins and points and all that. Um, you know, either either it's going so well that you get greedy and you, you want to just pile them all up, or if it's not going well, then you feel, well, we have to stick with our A lineup here. We can't deviate. It can be a real tough uh um, Uh, dilemma sometimes for coaches.
1: You can ease a forward back into the lineup and get him to work out his kinks in the course of being one of 12. You can't let a goaltender work out his kinks in the course of game action because it ends up costing you a victory. Like To your point, Mike.
3: Yeah, and just to be fair, I I actually thought, I know everybody piled on Learn Brassois last, everybody being a lot of fans in that last Sunday in Nashville. I actually Mm -hmm. thought he was really good in the first period, Brassois was. Yes, he was. Um, yes, he led in a terrible goal at the end of the day, though, you know, he the Jets still only scored two and they didn't even score those two until they were already down three, nothing. And again, it goes back to what we talked about with the offense here, right? Like a team scoring can actually cover up, you know, uh, the odd blemish or two from your goaltender. If you're only scoring one or two or none, like the other night against Dallas, um, your goaltender's work becomes a little more magnified, right? So, you know, if the Jets had put pumped five or six in in Nashville, I don't even think we're talking about that bad goal from Bersois and his performance. You know, if, if they had won that game 6 3 or 5 3, everybody's saying, okay, roll him out for his next start. But I think because they lose a one goal game and it's low scoring and he let in a stinker, people will say, well, it's, you know, they're not getting what they need from their goaltender. Um, but you're right. It's hard to work that out. Um, You know, I know he's been putting in a lot of work with Wade Flaherty. You see him come out before practice officially starts and video work and all that. Um, I think the form that Lauren Bressois had down the stretch last season and certainly in the playoffs, that's what everybody was hoping to see. It's still early for him, very small sample size. Um, At the end of the day, he's two, two and one. I think if you could, you know, get a 500 result from your backup goalie, 500 or better. Yeah. That's about what you'd expect. That's probably considered league average. Um, so we'll see what his next start brings, um, whenever that is. But as I said, I think that's uh, very much subject to change. Mark it down in pencil, not ink, guys.
1: The Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks in uh, about four hours' time. Mike McIntyre will be there, presumably. I assume you'll be I there, Mike. Be I figured as much to cover it for the Winnipeg Free Press.
2: So hold on, we're not going to get Mike's slideshow from Vegas. I thought you were going to, you know, have have some show and tell Mike from your trip.
3: That's during the first intermission as you don't go anywhere. I I uh well, if you do, I'll catch you in the jelly bean line with those with those pictures.
2: There you go.
1: Mike, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy this afternoon's game. We'll get together again real soon.
3: You bet guys, take care.
1: Take care. There he goes, our good friend Mike McIntyre joining us. I think Mike this has morning. been to Vegas more times than Dave. Uh, I don't let's not say things we can't take back as I think that would be uh, that, that might be a bridge too far Dave is Mr. Vegas as we all well know but I want to remind you about something that's coming up this coming Thursday all the details there on your screen less than a week through. Still- Less than a week, exactly. It's five days from now, Thursday, December 7th. Celebrate the holidays with Illegal Curve. We'll be live on location at Boston Pizza on Taylor Avenue. Come anytime after 7.30 p.m. 8 o'clock is puck drop between the Jets and the Colorado Avalanche. Come join us. We're going to watch the game all together. We're going to do a live on location broadcast. Spencey and I are going to be
2: doing eggnog shots
1: you bring which one of you is bringing the nog which one of you is bringing the booze that's what i want to know but uh we're all going to be there it's going to be a great time this coming thursday at boston pizza on taylor avenue be sure to join us for a live on location broadcast drink specials food specials prizes galore if you are so inclined bring a uh bring some stuff for the Uh, for the Christmas cheer board, new unwrapped toys, or maybe some uh, non-perishable food products. Bring it with you to Boston Pizza. We'll make sure it gets over to the Christmas cheer board do some good for some others while we all get together and share in fellowship and brothership and sistership next Thursday, December 7th at 7.30pm for the Jets and the Colorado Avalanche. Looking forward to that. It's going to be a fun one. Matt wants to know if we'll be lighting the menorah. Sure, why not? It is the first night of Hanukkah, so we might as well light the menorah while we're all together. Uh, Dave is going to take all the toys home and play with them. That's all so uh, quite possibly true there, Spency. So we'll see you on Thursday, everybody. And we'll see you right after these commercial messages. It is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show.
0: Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors Canada's longest running comedy club bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet Jerry Seinfeld Chris Rock John Stewart Dennis Miller Brad Garrett the greats and all the up-and-comers too when was the last time you laughed out loud make it a great night out with friends
1: or book your office or birthday party even a fundraising event at Rumors get all the details and dates on
2: upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com.
1: whoa Ezzy everything okay you look stressed
2: of course I'm stressed. We're moving, the house is upside down, the kids failed miserably at packing the fine china, and my life is in chaos. Chaos!
1: Yes, that does sound like a problem.
2: What am I going to do? Ezzy, relax.
0: Rolie's transfer moving and storage is the answer. With 60 years of experience in moving Manitobans and a track record of exemplary customer service, one call to Rollies and your stress is gone. No job is too big or too small. Just visit Rollies.com and
2: they will take it from there. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage, online at Rollies.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy! whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center and they whiten my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do whoa they even ting through the mouth guard
0: linden market dental center covers all your dental needs from restorative to cosmetic dentistry and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle 877 waverly see lindenmarketdental.com boston pizza harnessed analytics to test if the game is better at home or at
2: boston pizza the results are irrefutable Catch the game at Boston Pizza, powered by Fatalytics. So you're a pizza person,
1: you married a wing person, but somehow your kids are salad people. You can't pick your fam, but you can pick your BP meal deal. Starting from 18.99 for
0: takeout or delivery at bostonpizza.com. We did it again! You're on fire, man. There's power in a handshake after a great game or great deal. It shows professionalism and respect. Two quality Zappia Group Realty take pride in. You don't build a business where 95% of your clients are referred by others without honesty, integrity, and total dedication to client satisfaction. To sell your home for more in less time, shake hands with Frank and Mauro Zappia of Zappia Group Realty. Get started at Zapiagroup.com.
1: Big thanks to our friend Mike McIntyre for joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. In case you missed any of that, the instant replay will be available on our YouTube channel. You can always rewind. I don't know that you can fast forward so much. I don't think you can move forward beyond the current present time, but you can rewind and always watch the show at your own convenience. And, of course, the podcast edition of the program will be available a little later on. Reminder, post-game show just before 5 o'clock, somewhere in that 4.45 to 5 p.m. range this afternoon. Uh, Dave will be there. Ezzy will be there i'm a question mark because i'm taking my boy to the game this afternoon so we'll see if i'm back in time
2: if not i know that dave time to go Ezzie... to the jets game boy
1: yeah let's go boy. saddle up we're going to the jets game uh you guys can uh, d- 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 you all will be in good hands with dave and ezzy later on this this afternoon. has to be
2: drew the most saturday afternoon games early in the season what is this the fourth saturday afternoon game already of the year there's uh, been at well, least three. There was a There's Florida
0: three. game. There was a Dallas game. This is the third one, at least. I can't at
2: least.
1: Yeah, I can't think of a fourth necessarily, but yes. Which just is again is always a reminder, folks. The reason why the Jets play Saturday afternoon games is because the national rights holder, in this case, Sportsnet, does not want the Jets by and large on their he Saturday does. night uh, broadcast because it just is a inconvenience for them more than an asset, particularly when they're not playing against a another Canadian team.
0: I can, I can and again this is a tinfoil hat conspiracy stuff but like i said when gable already made those remarks on i think he spoke to us on wednesday yeah and when he made those remarks and they didn't make any national news i was like incredulous and again i'm not one to like salacious headlines in fact our headline was of all the headlines that went out there i think our headline was uh you know talking about how he was this close to missing the rest of the season but the fact of the matter is if you ever wanted to know you know the the, the opinion of of winnipeg Yeah, The Gabe Volardi comments, which again, had that been a a Leafs player or Oilers player or basically any other player, those would have reverberated across the NHL. And the fact is folks in L.A. picked up on them and they were, you know, uh, understandably less than pleased with Gabe Volardi. John
2: Rosen was all over it.
0: I don't know if our friend John Rosen was, but I know that a lot of folks in L.A. picked up on the comments. Folks here in Winnipeg, of course, picked up on the comments. But I was I honestly I was incredulous. I talked about it the next day. Uh, that that really, it didn't make waves at all yeah. uh, across the NHL. So Well, the craziest thing, know-
2: Dave, I, I mentioned this to you, was that the craziest thing is that was, what, five weeks or six weeks yeah. after Velarde was injured, right? Like six, so over He six. hadn't spoken to the media, so he was still fired up. Oh, that yeah. was what was most surprising about it to me, was that you would think that he would have just forgotten it. But no, he needed to get that off of his chest, and he's entitled to. And it's a yeah, former for linemate sure. of his. I mean, it's not like they just you
1: sort of you know b- barely cross paths or anything. I mean, you don't hear one player call another player stupid or a stupid play yeah. very often. To your point, Dave, you're right. It should have had a little bit more reverberations, and you know, there should have been a you know, look. If if Gabe Velarde, I mean, he's basically saying that you know Blake Lazotte is a dirty player. That's basically more or less what he's saying. Because he's saying, well, he's saying, he's, saying he,
0: he's saying he makes made an idiotic play.
2: But it's not he also said it's not the first time he's made yep. that idiotic play. So you can, you know, oh you're true, you're right. That's you what can he both was one saying. And, and one I, together. And I don't there. think he was being cryptic. I think he was calling him out for being a dirty player.
0: Oh, yeah. as it as was like I said, he, he had the opportunity, but he also had the opportunity to, like I think Mike's, I think because it was Mike's line of questioning, and he talked about the talking about essentially saying it was an accident. Because again, when you watched the play, I remember thinking it was a bit aggressive at the time, but I didn't think of it anything as anything more than just an unfortunate. Uh-huh. situation and that's the way it was kind of um you know labeled to, to Gabriel Velarde and he said we well, could say that that's not the way I saw it and yeah. you're right Drew I mean he he's been sitting and as he's uh, you you know you're correct as well the reality is he was sitting there he was sitting you know stewing about it for six weeks and he said look the guy say it's in the box for two minutes and I could have missed my season you know so you know he's understandably fired up he's he wanting to have you know a good start to his career here in Winnipeg Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously wants to perform and and earn himself a big contract, you know, a big uh, contract on his next one. So, you know, it's gotta be really frustrating for him. And, and, and again, like I just, I just thought it was so, you know, to that point you've just made drew about, you know, the folks not caring about Winnipeg. There is no other greater indication to me that, that, that statement is true than the fact that it got picked up so little, because again, wasn't that the comments weren't out there. It was just that uh, the folks in TSN and Sportsnet noticed not. Notice not indeed. So let's talk about the Jets forward line. So Gabe Velarde is, of course,
1: back in the lineup at whatever percentage of health that he's going to be at for now Mm -hmm. and
2: potentially the remainder of the season. I thought he looked fine uh, against the Oilers. Like, you know, he was out there on the power play. I mean, he didn't have the best game and he was on the fourth line, but I thought he looked okay for a guy that hasn't played in a month and a half. Yeah. He looked, he looked okay. I mean, that's
1: fine. I mean, again, your expectations for him and his expectations for himself were very low entering that game. He said, you know, he himself was talking about, it's very much more of just sort of a, you know, get back into game flow, you know, get sort of game reps under my belt. I'm not going to come out like a, a house on fire. I'm not going to come out and be able to, you know, dominate because i need to get back up to that level you know and it was such a small sample size but he was playing at a really high level him and connor and shifley were for the first games of the season now will he be able to get back to that level this season that's you know time will tell we don't know the answer uh to that of course but he's now again not on that fourth line which is not where we expected him to not be there for very long so what do you think of the sort of rejigged Jets lines entering tonight's game, you know, with Connor Shifley and Ehlers still together. They've been together really since I think they got put together the first time. Was it in the Dallas game later in that Dallas game when the Jets were struggling to get a goal? I think they Yeah, got... the end
0: of, at the end of the second period and then they right. started the third period together and they were good to, and they were certainly the
1: best line for the Jets on Thursday night and you know, and really early in the game they were the only uh, possession positive line for the Jets. So you Connor, Shifley, and Ehlers should be a good line together. But what do you think, I guess, of the decision to not have Velarde back there uh, and have the lines the way they are uh, for today's game?
2: Well, I I mentioned this last game, right? And I wasn't the only person that made this observation. But I don't think you you start and finish the game with Connor, Shifley, Ehlers, and then you have Velarde on the fourth line if you're planning on putting Velarde back on the the first line. So I'm not at all surprised that Velarde is going on the second line. With Perfetti and, and follow and and that's where we expected Ayafalo to be, right? Uh, he's a natural left winger, and obviously Perfetti and Velardi can split draws. Perfetti has played the majority of the season on the wing, so in that sense, you know, not that surprised. And and look, like you have two of the former kings on on one line, right? Like I, I, these guys have played together. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you how much they've played together, but I know they have played some time together. So I mean. Look, I, I think we talked about David Gustafson. It was unfortunate that he had to come out of the lineup because he was playing some of his best hockey of his NHL career. Right? It's still a young NHL career. I didn't um, really understand the decision to keep to pull
1: Gustafson and keep AJF in the lineup uh, mm-hmm. on, on the game on on. Well, Thursday to be honest night.
2: with you, my simple answer would to that would be I don't think there's a big difference between those two players. Okay, that's fair. Like I, I, I like all due respect to to, to their offensive upside, like. I just don't know, like, both of those guys, like, uh, AJF doesn't play center, but uh, Gustafson obviously can play both, and, you know, I think maybe the simple answer would be AJF is a faster player, and you're playing a fast team in Edmonton, right, Dave made that point, right, so, I mean, it's apples and apples, but I just don't necessarily think that, you know, there's a huge difference offensively between the two, both those guys can kill penalties, right, Drew? So I think you know they're a little bit interchangeable. That would be my you know answer. I I do think Gustafson's overall upside is higher. Like I'm just saying, at this point in his career, you're not going to get a ton of offense out of Gustafson. You just aren't, right? We saw you know he went 50 games last year without scoring a goal, right? So I think the lines will be fine. And we talked about it earlier, guys. This Blackhawks team is an awful, awful team. Like let's not (laughs) let's not kid ourselves here. I don't think Connor McDavid has scored a goal in the last three or four games either. And obviously, you know, he's been dealing with some of the stuff off the ice, and we can't gloss over that, guys. I know the chat was, you know, very lively uh, earlier in the show, but I mean, look, it's unfortunate. I think we can all agree it's unfortunate that he's had to deal with this. It's not fair for an 18-year-old, you know, mm-hmm. superstar to have to deal with this, but he has been dealing with that. So, yeah, you're going to have to worry about Connor Bedard. Philip Kershev is a good player. We talked about Lucas Reichel is a really good player. I mean, Tyler Johnson is centering that second line, but just, you know, if you go line by line forward in defense and then you throw in the goaltending, this is a huge mismatch for the Chicago Blackhawks. So the Jets should be able to put some pucks behind Soderblom. But yeah, I think that's the line for sure, Drew, that, you know, we're all going to be really focused on is the IFLo perfetti vilardi line because Connor Scheifele-Ealers, you expect those guys to probably score, you know, at least a couple goals this afternoon, because they were really good against Edmonton. As you mentioned, that was really the only good offensive line that the Jets had. So I do think that, you know, the Jets are going to score some goals. I, I would be shocked if they don't score at least three goals against the Hawks this afternoon. But yeah, it's, it's, this, it's an opportunity Dave. for velardi to establish himself with new players.
1: Let mm-hmm. me ask you this, Dave. I mean, Connor Shifley and Ealers is not a trio that we've seen together a lot in the course of their many years as a member of the Winnipeg Jets. That's just not a three that that uh, a line that's ever gone together. Because one of them is generally playing on the off wing. We know that you know Ealers is not usually used to playing on the right side. There, do you think that this is maybe something uh, just? this is an opportunity to see if that line really has some long-term chemistry together. And maybe it's another option that Rick bonus can pull out uh, as needed. Or do you think that it's not, I mean, it's in very small um, sizes so far, sample sizes, it's -hmm. looked pretty good, but do you think it's really viable for the long term?
0: Well, I mean, I guess, you know, like you said, production will essentially guarantee that. I mean, it's like anything. If you see, Declan Chisholm scored two goals today then yeah he's probably not coming out of the lineup on Monday I think if if you see guys start to produce and and have an impact on the game both positive and removing any negative you know not having goals scored against your line I think if that's the that's the key to success and I think so I like do I think there's a long leash here I mean right now I think the Jets are, are are tight because of the losing streak I think they still feel good overall about their game we talked about it things have down, been on a bit of a downtick from the possession numbers and the advanced stats since the New Jersey Buffalo games. Uh, of course, doesn't that isn't that interesting when it coincides with the rise of Connor Hellebuck and the decrease in the five-on-five play? It's almost like they're like, oh, we can get out of our structure that we've been so good at because Connor <laughs> Hellebuck's back to form. But for me, there's yeah, I think you have a little bit of latitude here with this group, and I think to Ezzie's point, there's a good chance that these guys start to, to feast a little bit. And Carolina has been good. Don't get me wrong. But I think it's not as if they're they're coming in here and they've won, you know, twenty games. So I think that you can give this team uh, that you you have to give it a little bit of of viewing power because we talk about small sample sizes all the time. And to give these guys like you know a couple of games together is that really an indication as to what they can do? Now, look, do I think that ultimately they want Vellardi to be up back up on that top line? I do. I think that he's just trying to be smart. I mean, Rick Bonus talked about it last week or whenever it was. Maybe it was earlier this week time uh, is a little bit of uh, flimsy here as, but I think ultimately Rick Bowen has talked about, we don't want, you know, Gabriel Velarde playing 25 minutes in a game. We don't want that kind of put that kind of, you know, demand on his body so quick after being out for over six weeks. So I, I think that they want to ease him back in, but I think ultimately they'll want to get velardi back on the, you know, the line. And and I think, I think that the, the, the real test or the real, the, the important thing is to have lines, like we get, we tend to get focused on line staying together, right? You know, oh, you can't break up Lowry, Niederreiter, Appleton, they're too good together, da-da-da-da-da, or whatever. But the fact of the matter is that you kind of almost want to have guys be interchangeable, and I say that because, and the Jets' depth this year allows that, because when things go stagnant, you have to be able to make some amendments to these lines. So I think it's a good thing that they'll give this, Ehlers, Shifley, Connor line, a little bit of a uh, a runway here. Definitely changing it in the second period, but I think that they'll, they will it's a good thing to give them a little bit of a test. Run with them for three, four, five games and even if you put Velarde in there, then you know, hey, we've got a, a, a window Another into option. what that line looks like together. Well, well the only thing, funny, Drew, sorry,
2: I was just going to say, the only thing if the Jets keep struggling at five on five, mm-hmm. the only thing, really the big thing that you could see coming is splitting up Shifley and Connor. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to happen. But that's really, I mean, look, there's only so many pieces you can rotate around in the top six, right? And, like, I would love, like, I'll, I'll throw it out there right now. I mean, I would love to see Perfetti between Connor and Ehlers. I mean, I just don't necessarily know that you love that line defensively. I mean, especially with, with Kyle Connor's defensive metrics. So I think there's a lot of different combinations you can have in that top six. When you're talking about you know not breaking up certain pairs, Dave, that is the ultimate pair. And I, st- I still think Shifley and Connor would get their their touches and their looks on the power play, right? So just because you broke you break up Shifley and Connor, I don't think you should th- think that that is like sacrilegious. Uh, they have to get more than one line going. That's what it ultimately comes down to. Perfetti, Ehlers, and Nemesnikov were playing really well together. Uh-huh. Now you've got Vellardi uh, on there with uh, Iafalo and Perfetti. That second line, there's 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 a little bit more pressure on them, not so much against Chicago, but against Carolina, against Colorado. Now you're starting to go up against some elite teams. They're going to play L.A. the week after next week. L.A. is a top team in the West, right, Drew? So, yes, Shifley, Connor, Ealers. I think they're going to be fine. They're going to get some goals this afternoon. But to Dave's point, I think you got to keep that line together longer than two or three games. Give them half a dozen games, see what they can do. And yeah, you're even though Gabe Velarde, it's only his second game back. I mean, you can't just say five games after he comes back, oh, he's still trying to figure his game out. No, they they need him to produce offensively.
1: You know, I also have time to hear an argument about maybe you know not you know taking Appleton, Lowry, and Niederreiter and breaking it up a little bit, and maybe mm-hmm. moving a guy like Niederreiter higher in the lineup to try and get some things sure. done because that line, which was great, hasn't been as great and hasn't been as dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, over the last I'm going to say half a dozen games, and IFALO it...
2: and Niederreiter are interchangeable, right? Like they're both Very guys that can so. play on the left wing. Yeah, you're not going to break. A, obviously, Lowry is going to center that third line, and Appleton shouldn't be bumped up. We've talked about that. Appleton fits really nicely on that third line. So you're right. I have no problem with Niedermeyer, Niederreiter, not Niedermeyer, getting bumped up (laughs) to the second line.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I have I have room for that argument as well. And I mean, of course, right now with Nemesnikov being out of the lineup and that's another untimely injury to a Winnipeg Jets forward because you think you're just about to get you know more or less healthy enough. And now we know that Nemesnikov is going to be out uh, today and likely Monday by the sounds of it. And they're hoping he'll be back in time for Thursday's game in Colorado. We'll be at Boston Pizza in case you've forgotten over the last 20 minutes uh, about that. But, uh, you know, again, I... If Depending on how this game gets started for the Jets today, and I mean, it should get started well because they do have such a talent advantage against the Blackhawks, Uh, you know, I I would have no problem with seeing Niederreiter move up and Aya Fallo move down or, you know, fill in that spot on that line and maybe Niederreiter with his method of play with just basically parking himself within, you know, a, an inch or two of that blue paint and just being a pain in the ass. Maybe that helps get some of the guys higher up in the lineup going, Dave.
0: Yeah, no, I don't think there's any question about it. And look, you can put Baron on that third line and, and yeah. I don't think they really miss a beat with what he's able to do. And and you're right, Drew. I think, you know, Nita Rider is a guy how many times in a game do we talk about all the right things he does in a hockey game? Right. Whether it's it's like you said, parking himself in the middle or just being defensive, responsible defensively responsible. He's just a very um complete player. And I think he's the kind of guy who, yeah, if you want to move him up to that second line to give them a little bit of size and 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 again, like a guy who can do a number of different things, then I I I think he's absolutely a candidate to to move up. And then, or if you drop by a fallow down to that third line. I mean, it doesn't really make you know, it doesn't move again The the beauty of this jets team this year, to me, at least is the fact that there is a lot of interchangeable parts throughout the lineup. And, you know, obviously Mark Shively is Mark Shifley, and you don't, you can't replicate him throughout the course of this lineup. Kyle Connor, much, you know, similar to that, to that effect, Nikolai Ehlers also. But after that, you know, with Niederreiter, I have Fallow, Lowry, Appleton, Barron, there really is a lot of, you know, similarities with a lot of these players. So, I mean, to me, again, it's a good thing because, you know, if you lose one or you need to move one, you can kind of replace them with a very complimentary style player and not really miss a beat so much on what that line is. And perhaps bring what those li- guys bring to that effect, that effectiveness to that third line, for example, since we're referencing that one. Up to, like I said, bring a needer rider up and and let him elevate. And you know that the situation with Ifalo, not Ifalo, sorry, Nemestikov, isn't significant. Mm-hmm. Although I mean, with 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 hockey and injuries, you know, to that idea, we never really know. I mean, Rick Bonus, I was there <laughs> in the Matt Frost, and he said, "Well, we know he's not playing tomorrow, and and we're not sure about Monday, and then we'll see where he's at." So yeah. to my mind, it's like, sure, me, you know, on one hand, he said day to day, and it was rather emphatic. It was only going to be two games. But then again, you never know. Right. So we'll see how uh, Vladimestokov is, you know, Monday, if he if he's skating again and and potential for Carolina or if they hold him out just to be safe. And uh, and then maybe potentially, you know, knowing that you have three days between games, give him a chance to, to get back in the lineup for Colorado.
1: Something to keep an eye on as the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks do battle later on this afternoon. Two o'clock puck drop, 445, give or take a couple minutes for the post game show. And of course, illegalcurve.com has you up to speed all day long on everything going on with the Winnipeg Jets and the Manitoba Moose. Speaking of the Manitoba Moose, when we come back, our good friend Moose broadcaster Daniel Fink joins us to talk about the AHL affiliate. and of course, talk about Declan Chisholm set to make his uh, Winnipeg Jets home debut this afternoon against the Blackhawks. Don't go anywhere. we still got plenty more to come. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on all of our social media platform. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Ginsberg, Daniel Fink, his impending arrival better happen within any minute now. Otherwise, Dave is going to abandon the Manitoba Moose once and for all and be Come the Steinbach Pistons insider. That's exactly the threat that Dave has leveled at our friends with the Manitoba Moose. If Daniel doesn't show up momentarily, but I think Daniel is on his way, so we shall be fine on that front. Um, there, Mr. Ginsburg. Nice to see you on this Saturday morning. Nice to see so many of you on this Saturday morning joining us here. For the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. want to say a big thanks, of course, to all of our sponsors. They make this show a possibility. They make the post-game show a possibility. All that good stuff. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Linden Market Dental Center. Zapia Group Realty. Betway. We're going to do the Betway Game Recap a little bit later on tonight. Tough Duck. Get your comments ready. Because someone's going to walk away with the Tough Duck took Our friends at Boston Pizza. You know we're going to be there on Thursday. Seagram's. In case you need a little belt of something delicious, and first thing this morning, you got to have it handy. Roly's transfer and farmery beer. I see there's a beer related conversation happening in the chat. The only beer there's worth always drinking. a beer
2: related conversation happening, Drew.
1: Yes, I know there is, especially in your house, Mr. Ginsburg. But the only beer worth drinking is a legal curve lager available at Farmery Brewing, number two, Donald Street. I had one go. last night, yes, yes, as I you bathed. As you <laughs> bathe, you have a shower or literally in the bathtub?
2: I don't have baths because the bathtub at our house is like because so small. Because we all
1: know, unfortunately, the last time you had a bath what happened and it's not for public consumption on this YouTube channel.
2: You're talking about your bachelor party. Yes, I am. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. No, don't Bailey's in the let's, chat. Let's, let's just say that there was a little bit of a charge to that credit card after uh, <laughs> when, we, wow. when we were signing out, people were like, what's this $29.99 charge? <laughs> let's go. Oh boy. Oh,
1: God. I said not to talk about it. Okay,
2: well, <laughs> let, let me let me, let me me do a quick
0: change of subject because dear Please, Lord, but dear God. <laughs> um, I will say, remember in a couple of Saturdays from now, we're hoping to be uh, going live at Number two Donald Street at Farmery will, uh, so you can come down if you want to buy some IC beer and uh, chat with us during the breaks. We'll be uh, hopefully at their location, yes. two Donald Street. So we're, uh, we'll uh, confirm that early this week. There you go. So something to look forward
1: to, I see, at Farmery Brewing. More details to come. We're live on location all the time. Joining us live now, our good friend, Manitoba Moose broadcaster, Daniel Fink, joins us on the program. Daniel, good to see you. How are you?
2: Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all after a big Moose win last night.
1: Yeah, we'll get into the Moose victory last night. I believe that makes it two in a row, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the last couple of games. Yeah, I think they won last Sunday against the Grand Rapids as well. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk to you about Declan Chisholm because he's got a lot of uh, spotlight on him today. He's going to make his Winnipeg Jets home debut this afternoon. And he was recently with the Manitoba Moose in the condition- for the conditioning stint after being in the press box for so many straight games for the Jets to start the. I guess your impressions of what you saw from Declan Chisholm I mean you know him you've seen him for so many years now did you know I guess what were your impressions of his stint with the moose recently
2: yeah, I, th- I think for Declan Chisholm, I'd go more off of the, the full body of work than the conditioning stint. I mean, even on the conditioning stint, he had five points in six games. And mm-hmm. It's a situation where he hadn't played in, I think it was six weeks or something like that. And That's going to take a little while for anybody to get back up to speed and and he was doing that just as the coaches would say. He kind of got better every minute that he was on the ice. So, uh, big for him to get that conditioning stint. I think it would have been really tough for him to just jump right into the fire in, in the NHL and be successful. So, it was definitely a, a good call by the organization to give him that opportunity to play some games with the Moose in a room that he's pretty comfortable in, and uh, and kind of get his legs back under him before uh, inevitably getting him into an NHL game coming up here. Dan, you mentioned the four two Moose win over Rockford yesterday. Dominic Dominic Toninato had a couple points, as did uh, Jeff Malott. And you know, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about Dominic Toninato. Who obviously, was was up with the Jets. And just how important is it? To have a guy like him, and that's not the easiest situation for him to be kind of that, I guess if you want to call it 13th, 14th forward, right? And kind of going back and forth between the AHL club and the NHL club. But how important is it for, for the Moose's stability and consistency considering that, you know, for example, they don't have a guy like Jansen Harkins with the team this year who kind of played a, a similar similar role and the Moose counted on him for a lot of offense. Yeah, I mean, for Dominic Toninotto, it's, I think, a role that he's becoming more and more comfortable with. I mean, here's a guy that really, through his whole career, has been going between the NHL and the AHL in various situations. And uh, he's very comfortable in that Moose room. He knows that he's uh, relied upon as a leader. He wears an A for the Moose, uh, despite being in that situation where he might not be in the Manitoba lineup every night because he's with the Winnipeg Jets. And you can just see the stabilizing force that he is. And he gets gets into the game, he can calm things down. The Moose found themselves in a spot of trouble early in that game last night where they were down one nothing after a 5-on-3 goal for the Rockford Ice Hogs. And he went out there and he kind of grabbed hold of the game, scored a big goal, and even after that goal, he's standing up on the bench. He's hollering down the whole bench, let's get going, let's get going. And uh, from there, the Moose did get going. And you can see the importance of having a leader like that, especially when the Moose don't have Jimmy Olney on the bench every night.
0: You know, Daniel, we got to talk about the goaltending because it's it's picked up of late. We were expecting this goaltending to be a stabilizing force and, you know, Oscar Salmon had a good start, his last opportunity. And, of course, Colin Delia picks up the win last night. So that's one area that we were expecting stability from and, and it seems like it's kind of coming in. And we know that, obviously, Delia was dealing with a groin issue, which hampered him a little bit in terms of getting the start with the Moose. But what are you seeing from these guys as they start turning around? Because, of course, with how young the team was last year and even younger this year, the goaltending is, is going to be critical for this Moose team to have success.
2: Yeah, I, I, and I, I saw it a lot. A lot of people were focused in on the goaltending, on the, uh, on the road trip, but uh, I'm not sure beyond some miraculous elite-level goaltending that a lot of those games would have been very different that the Moose lost. I mean, uh, when you're seeing the looks that Rockford and Toronto and Grand Rapids were getting in some of those games, I mean, Colin Delia might have wanted a, a bit of a different start in Toronto, but to, in mm-hmm. Rockford and Grand Rapids, I mean, when, when there's backdoor tap and guys standing on the backside the whole game, there's only so much you can do as a goaltender. So it was really good to see him kind of get support in his last start uh, last night and you know what he supported the guys too because he made some massive saves along the way especially in that first period Rockford got some really good looks in on net, uh, created some good opportunities and he made some real big saves to help the Moose kind of stick through that period 1-1 one, one, and eventually get out in front so real good to see him get a very good start under his belt and then uh, of course as you mentioned Dave there in Grand Rapids Oscar e. Salmon and very solid as well so uh, for the Moose obviously the goaltending numbers aren't where they would hope to see them but uh if they keep getting starts like they have the last couple of games those will come around just like the penalty kill has
1: Daniel there's always an adjustment period when you you make a big shift in your career that's true for hockey that's true for every line of work I mean for and especially for a young player who spent the majority of his career or spent his entire life you know in a foreign country coming to North America can certainly be Difficult, and I'm talking about Nikita Chibrikov, who doesn't appear to be having any adjustment issues whatsoever. I mean, he's just been so good for the Manitoba Moose so early, leading the team with 18 points in 17 games played. I mean, 20 years old. He's not. He doesn't turn 20. I mean, you know, it's almost words fail me to see how seamless the transition has been. What do you chalk that up to? Is he just that talented that he's been able to come in to the Manitoba Moose lineup and have such an impressive impact so early in his career?
2: I think a lot of it comes from just his tenacity. I mean, he's a skilled player, but he plays with a real edge. He's not afraid to get into a messy spot. He likes contact. He likes getting into the fight. And in a league like the AHL where a lot of guys, that's what they have to learn is to be in that fight every game, to be consistently charging into the fray. When you already have that under your belt, it's going to help that transition, whether you're coming in from another country or you're coming in from junior. it's mm-hmm. that, That's one of the big things, and that consistency is what we're always looking for for players in the American Hockey League to develop. So when you already have some of that in your game, it certainly helps. And he's got a real motor, and he just goes and goes and goes. So he never gives up on pocs. He's hard on the back check, things like that. Uh, Nolan Baumgartner was saying the other day they really like how he's picking up the defensive side of the puck as well. And on top of that, he's a supremely talented player. I mean, you can see just his vision on the ice. He's got a wicked shot and that's going to help you out as you make the adjustments. So he's done a real nice job of that. He's been very effective on a good moose power play. That certainly helps with the production as well. So uh, it's certainly been a nice start, but We're coming up to the first quarter of the season. The the key is, can he keep doing it through the second quarter of the season and the third quarter of the season and the fourth quarter of the season? So that's always what we're looking to see because uh, time and time again, you'll see players kind of taper off, and there's nothing wrong with that. Production might not stay at a point per game. That's very hard to do, especially in the American Hockey League but what's he doing away from the puck? What's he doing defensively? Is he getting those chances? Is he creating offense for his linemates, things like that? So it'll uh, be very interesting to see if he's able to keep up the production like he has, and so far it's been very good. He's only played in four games where he hasn't had a point this season, which is very <laughs> impressive for a young player. Um, and uh, you know what? That's that's certainly something you're happy to see for a Moose team that was coming into the season wondering where some of its offense would come from and and really hoping that some of these young players would be able to take the ball and run with it.
1: Daniel Fink is our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. You know Daniel, of course, is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Manitoba Moose. Daniel, I got to ask just quickly behind you. What's the background? It looks like pinball games, but I don't think it is.
2: Uh, we we got some of the uh, the uh, the board games up behind me here, and uh, oh, okay. yeah, the the old board game wall for the for the backdrop here today. There you what go. Is that a little Settlers of Catan? Uh, that would be somewhere down there on the lower <laughs> the lower levels. This is uh, most of these are, but Settlers Catan plus a few elements it's funny just while we're on this topic like five or six years ago i took my nephew who was like nine or ten at the time to that uh game cafe downtown and there's hundreds of games and what does he pick he picks monopoly which is obviously a game that takes a few (laughs) hours to play so we're like hunter you know pick another game that doesn't take as long and he's like no i want to play monopoly and then 15 minutes later he just wanted a snack and then we left so our first experience there wasn't great, but I uh, love hey, board games. for a reason. Yeah. yeah. Sometime, Dan, maybe uh, we'll have you over to the Ginsburg home to play a little balderdash. That's one of all our uh, <laughs> uh, favorite games. But wanted to ask you about uh, Brad Lambert, because obviously, like Nikita Chibirkov, he's played all 17 games, um, and he's a prospect that uh, a lot of Jets fans are excited about. And you mentioned the first quarter, Mark, so there's obviously tons of hockey to be played. But how have you seen his game like evolve in those 17 games? obviously real hot offensively to start the start the season he's cooled off a little bit in the production department but you know what he's playing with a couple of guys and jeff balott and parker ford on a consistent basis and i think for a player that is very skilled and you wouldn't say he's necessarily the most physical player on the planet two real good guys to learn from i mean even though parker ford is a rookie they have very very different games uh that they that they display so uh when you have two guys like malott and ford crashing into the corners helps bring a guy like lambert okay that's that's the type of game i need to play and uh, he's certainly picked up that way and you know what watching brad from last season to this season it's it's been impressive to see how he's taken to heart some of the things that he learned during his short stint with the manitoba moose last season and, and brought that and improved upon it in junior playing against kids his own age and now in the ahl is a more effective player and that's great to see you always want to see that progression so for lambert again as I always do, gentlemen, I will always preach patience because everyone's <laughs> going to look and say, okay, well, he's got 15 points or 14 points. Let's get him into the NHL. Let's calm down. Let him be comfortable in the American Hockey League. Let him do his thing and uh, find success with the Moose. When Something that Eric Dubois has always said when I talked to him is you want players like Brad Lambert, like Nikita Chibrikov to be dominant players in the NHL. You want them to be top six guys. And so they need experience doing that and they're not going to get that experience playing on the fourth line in the NHL or something like that. But what they do get is, for Brad last season, he gets that experience being a dominant player in the WHL. And then he gets to the AHL and he's playing top line minutes, top line power play. Those are the minutes that you want him playing to learn this pro game and then translate that to the National Hockey League when he's ready. And ideally, and as Moose coaches will always say, once a guy goes up, they don't want to see him back. They want to see those guys get that chance and run with it and be NHLers the rest of their career. So that's where they want to get those players to into that situation.
0: You know, Daniel, I was going to go to the 2019 draft and I was going to ask you about the defenseman. Now, most folks are thinking I'm talking about Ville Hanola, but that is a subject of a conversation that we may be having in a month's time when he's working his way back from his injury or if he's recovering from his injury. But I want to ask you about Simon Lundmark because this is his third full season here in Winnipeg. And he's he's the kind of guy who's not doesn't jump out at you. He's not flashy. He's a Dylan DeMello type. That's the way I ch- tend to describe him. You know, he just does a lot of little things. He's quiet. But what have you seen from him? We spoke with him yesterday, of course, at the Hockey for All Center, and he talked a little bit about how he feels his game has gone this year. But what have you seen as a guy who's watched him uh, each and every game for the Manitoba
2: well, you hit the nail on the head there Dave. I mean, he, he's a quiet player and when when Simon Lundmark he's kind of one of those defensemen that you just don't really notice sometimes when everything's going right. And that's just because nothing's really happening in his area of the ice because he's shutting it down, he's stepping up, he's keeping a good gap, he's using his good skating ability to to break up plays before they even happen sometimes and you know what he's added a little bit of physicality to his game this season he's more inclined to throw a bit of a hip check along the wall he's more inclined to step up hard at the line and we saw a few times where it looked like the ice hogs were going to burn into the zone like they've done so successfully against the moose this season all of a sudden landmark was popping right into the middle breaking up the pass and sending it the other way and he's also shown though the offense hasn't necessarily come for him this season as of yet, he's shown a little bit more of a penchant to kind of sneak in off the points in the offensive zone and create some opportunities. Did a real nice job on a goal in Toronto to help out. Uh, I believe Lambert ended up finishing that one off on a neat wraparound try from Simon Lundmark. And so it's it's little things like that, and it's that progression that you want to see. It's, again, one of those words that I always say when I come on to chat with you guys is that progression. So uh, for Simon Lundmark, I didn't know he had a stretch that was a bit of a tough one last year, but he, he battled through that, and that adversity can be... Really good for a player to really learn their game and learn about themselves. And uh, for Lenmark, it seems like he's really taken that and is having a solid season so far for the Moose.
1: You know, Daniel, one of the pleasant surprises of Jets training camp was Parker Ford. And, you know, Parker Ford obviously, you know, was an undrafted free agent. He got some games in with the Moose last year, the eight games, and then he's played all 17 so far this year. What have you seen from Parker Ford so far? I mean, everyone, you know, training camp, there was all the talk about, you know, a little bit of a Brandon Tanev. Maybe, you know, you're finding a diamond in the rough you're getting as an undrafted free agent. What have you seen from Parker Ford in his real first stint as a professional since leaving uh, Providence? Since college
2: he's just a cannonball man like <laughs> he's just he flies around the ice he absolutely rails guys into the boards and and what he does very well is separate the puck. He gets into situations, he takes the body hard in the corner, and that puck is loose. And maybe he doesn't get it, but then you have speedy Brad Lambert following up behind him, and he does. Or you have big Jeff Mallott trucking in, and he does. Or Ford comes away with the puck and is able to kick it back to the line. And that's something that's so valuable. When you have a guy that can wheel around the ice like that and kind of strike fear in the hearts of defensemen. They don't really want to go get that puck when Parker Ford's cruising in on him. I know he's not the biggest guy, but, man, he can get a lot of momentum going, and uh, he is not afraid to, to really get into the mix. And kind of like Nikita Chibrikov, here's guys that uh, aren't afraid to mix it up. They aren't afraid to get to those dirty areas on the ice. And that's... I, I whether it's a skill or just a tendency, whatever you want to call it, it's so valuable to have. And and for Parker Ford, I mean, he's playing with Brad Lambert, Jeff Malott. He's looked on uh, on a key line for the Moose, So and he has done so throughout the season. So maybe he doesn't bring the same skill level as Brad Lambert. Maybe he doesn't bring the same penchant for scoring big goals as Jeff Malott as of yet, but... When you look at what Parker Ford has done, he just does his job effectively night in, night out. And, and for a guy like that, that's what you want to see. Dan, one guy that we haven't mentioned, I don't think yet, unless Dave brought him up before we had you on, is is Chad Lucius, who's arguably playing his best hockey of his uh, season right now. Yeah, I talked to Eric Dubois about uh, Chaz yesterday, and he said the conditioning is coming. And that's one of the biggest things for Chaz, who didn't get a full camp in. He, of course, Suffered an injury a little bit uh, into the season, so now he's got to get back to it. And uh, for him, it's just about playing hockey. I mean, here's a guy that just hasn't played a ton of hockey over the last few years, and, man, you can see the skill. You can see the hockey brain that's there and his ability to get into tight areas. Derek Meech was talking about it last night on the broadcast. He's just got that ability to kind of shimmy his way into a soft spot on the ice and then let that wicked shot go, and he's been productive through all of that. I mean, he's up to seven assists on the season. He's got nine points, uh, so he's just under that point per game mark, so he's found a way to be productive. Well, maybe not at 100% yet, And that's kind of scary to think what he could be when he does have maybe a full season of hockey under his belt in the pro ranks and is able to build out that frame. He's kind of a slight guy, and there's more to be put on there. So that work in the gym is just going to be as valuable as the work on the ice for a guy like Chaz Lucius. And uh, I think there's an exciting player there. And and for all of these guys, whether it's Chaz Lucius, Brad Lambert, Nikita Chibrikov, Danny Jilkin, the list goes on and on, Parker Ford, and so on and so on. Tyrell Bauer on the back end. All these young guys, it's just exciting to think where they're going to be and where their progression goes. The best part about being in the American Hockey League Mm -hmm. is always watching these guys progress. And where will they be from game to game or season to season? I mean, I always go back to Kyle Connor. uh, In his first 32 (laughs) games in the American Hockey League, he had eight goals. Mm. And I was like, oh, what's, what's going on with this guy? Well, his final 20, he had 18 Something switched in Kyle Connor. He got it. And then all of a sudden he turned into the lethal scorer that we now know he is in the NHL. So it's it's always exciting to see that progression and maybe when that light bulb goes off or when that player finds that extra little bit of speed that uh, tips over or gets that extra little bit of confidence. I mean, a guy like Wyatt Bon Giovanni this season, he's up to five goals now, four of them on the power play. He's been a very effective scorer for the Moose. He's got 11 points. He had 18 all of last season. So there's another guy that's a undrafted, signed free agent for the Winnipeg Jets who's having a very good second season that uh, a lot of people maybe don't think about because he isn't one of those high-drafted prospects, but a guy that, uh, again, is a Jets prospect and is having a real good season. So that progression is always so exciting to watch and so much fun.
0: Thanks a lot, Daniel. You just told my my thunder. I was gonna ask you about why I, I saw you, I saw you twitch. <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I got it all queued up. I got Wyatt Bon Giovanni, scored a goal, he's got goal, you know, consecutive games. I'm like, all right, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Daniel's going right into the But, Daniel, luckily for me, I had a backup question. Because in case you deviated into Wyatt Bon Giovanni, I was gonna ask you about Jeffrey Vale and how important that goal was for him. He's a, a really well-liked guy. He's a real, you know, you see him around the rink, he's always got a smile on his face. We know he's tough as nails. We know he can also score. We saw that, you know, he's what he was able to do previously in the AHL. So, how good did that feel for him? Turned out to be the game-winning goal last night, but uh, to get that goal and to to feel like he's a part of it, not just in in the rough and tumble areas, but to get on the score sheet. I'm not sure anyone
2: was more excited than Jeff Malott. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and now maybe Malat thought he had scored that goal initially because he did tip the puck and then it hit VL and went in. But yeah. Malat was jumping up and down, grabbing VL and shaking him. So I mean, <laughs> it just tells you how tight this moose room is when they get so excited for each other. And that's huge. I mean, for a guy that just, you know what, had so many chances, especially early in the season, the puck just wouldn't go in for him. It was wild to watch some of the saves that goaltenders were making and the puck would roll the wrong way or it would just bounce over a stick or something like that. It's always tough when a guy goes through something like that. And like you mentioned, Dave, here's a guy that's pretty consistently scored about 10 to 15 goals a year in the AHL. So finally breaks through and hopefully for the moose that uh, opens the floodgates a little bit, because it would certainly be nice to get another goal scorer going, especially as VL plays in that kind of bottom six role to, to really add some meat and potatoes to that uh, third, fourth line for the moose is, I mean, When you look at it, it's kind of more, which line has a little bit more skill with the moose, which line is just going to try and shovel the puck over, or which line is going to shovel the puck over the line. Um, Everybody brings their own effective nature to this moose club. They're so deep up front, but uh, for Jeff Vial to score that goal, obviously huge and uh, great to see him get his first as a moose.
1: Daniel Fink is the Manitoba Moose broadcaster. The Moose in action tomorrow afternoon. They finish off the homestand against RCMP the Rockford game. Ice Hogs. RCMP I was going to let Daniel promote it. I was Go this ahead. Is what I, I got to tee up Daniel to promote.
2: He's trying, trying to tag me back now for stealing his Bon Giovanni Thunder.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I don't need you guys. I don't need mom and dad to start fighting here on the show. That's okay. Daniel, tell us what's happening tomorrow at the Moose and
2: Ice Hogs game. You want to take a Daver? Or... Nope. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry guys one one second here take a sip still coming off that cold and uh pardon me folks it's uh it's it's harder to just mute myself on on here than it is on the broadcast um yes so we got the rcmp 150 game tomorrow should be a lot of fun uh gonna have our first specialty jersey of the season uh kind of a sneaky reveal on those uh, this week in in one of our tee up videos for the game and uh they are a brilliant red jersey not a color that you get to see the moose in very often i think the last time we did a red jersey was the uh the fire jersey back uh, in my first season i want to say in 16 uh, sixteen seventeen. uh so it's always cool to see the moose in a very different color. They're very sharp jerseys and uh, obviously um, recognizing the, the history of the RCMP, 150 years in Canada here. So uh, when you look at uh, today uh, Sunday's game, excuse me, should should be an interesting one, especially with the Ice Hogs looking to tag the moose back. So a lot of fun on the ice, a lot of fun off the ice. And uh, you can get your tickets at moosehockey.com slash tickets. And again, that's a 2 p.m. puck drop. No,
1: uh, there's no word if the rumors are true that Dave is going to be arriving to the game on horseback in honor of the RCMP as well. But we can all hope for that. Uh, Daniel, it's, kinda, it's
2: kind of a running joke that we wanted a horse to uh drop the puck. Uh, <laughs> for the game. I don't think we got that one over the line, but uh, you do what you can. The worst well, they you know, can say I, is no, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. I appreciate you uh, trying to think outside the box in, the, in, in doing some of the promotions and things of that nature. Daniel Fink is the Manitoba Moose broadcaster. He's a very good friend of ours here on the show. Finky, thanks for joining us. We'll let you have a great broadcast tomorrow, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks a lot, guys. Always great to chat. There Thanks, it goes man. Daniel Fink Thanks, joining Daniel. us this morning on the program. Always great to catch up. Always great to get a recap of what's going on uh, with the moose. At least from somebody who's in, who's really in the know, as opposed to the blowhard Oof. in the top Ouch. corner who likes to pretend Ouch. he's in the know. I All gotta right. throw you. I gotta throw a little shot at you every now and then. That's you know, fine. Like I, I can't just throw shots at Ginsburg. Then people say I'm mean to Ezi. But if I throw shots at both of
0: you, then I'm mean to both of you. So it's equal opportunity. All right, I'll accept that. Just a Thanks. quick note, uh, by the way, I want to make a uh, mention. We had it on legalcurve.com but uh, Jets 2022 fourth-rounder Garrett Brown, who was playing at the University of Denver, his season has come to a conclusion. He needed to have surgery, which he had, I believe, on Tuesday or Wednesday. So he's done for the year they expect him to be. He's a big... Uh, I think he's a right side defenseman, but he's a big defenseman that uh, son of Curtis Brown, as he, and he is, yeah, he's a right side defenseman. So right shot, I should say defenseman. And he uh, unfortunately had his season come to an end. So he will be back. They expect at the university of Denver playing for the pioneers uh, next season, but his season for this year is unfortunately done.
1: There you go. Dave, I'm always bringing the A-game when it comes to updates of what's going on with Winnipeg Jets prospects. And of course, great to talk about the Manitoba Moose as well. The Jets of tomorrow, today. And that's why we're sending people. We sent people to yesterday's game and are we sending people to Sunday's game as well?
0: I gave them all away. I felt felt, felt bad for, I I offered the tickets up. I was doing Moose media availability dry. The, tickets have run, run,
2: the ticket well is run dry.
0: Well, it's run dry for this weekend. We'll have for in two weekends when the Moose, they're going to Calgary next week. Then they come back for a pair of games. We'll have tickets to give away for that series.
2: We'll uh, wrangle up some tickets. Oh, really well run, bum bum Ching. As,
0: there you go, but Mr. Punny. I did feel bad because we had, I, I did Moose media. I put it out on Twitter and within five minutes I had a bunch of people asking. So uh, we have hooked everyone up. We hooked people up in the IC zone for uh, four tickets yesterday. And we've given away four tickets for tomorrow's game. So it should be a lot of fun. And uh, we're always happy to help get some folks out to watch, as, as Drew just said, the Jets of tomorrow, today. This
1: was a fun show, fun, fun galore. The post-game show later on this afternoon, 4.45 p.m. after the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks. Illegalcurve.com is your destination for all your latest Jets news and audio. Moose news and audio getting you set for everything going on this afternoon. And then again tomorrow with the Moose. Want to say a big thank you to Mike McIntyre. Big thank you to Daniel Fink in case you missed either of those interviews. The instant replays on the YouTube channel. The podcast will be available very shortly. Shortly, If you haven't already done so, smash the like button, subscribe here, there, and everywhere, and leave us feedback regarding what you thought of this morning's program. Big thanks to all the sponsors. They make the post-game show, the Saturday show, the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. Tonight, Ivan Decker, his last night in town, 7.30 is sold out already. Few tickets remaining for 10 o'clock. Get them rumorscomedyclub.com. Linden Market Dental Center. There you go. Frosty Winnipeg's got it up on the screen. Uh, Zapia Group Realty, Bethway. Farmery Beer number 2 Donald Street get your illegal curve lager for the weekend something to tip back a few while you're watching the Jets while you're watching the post game show and while you're watching whatever else you may be watching this evening our friends at Rolly's Transfer Seagram's Boston Pizza next Thursday will be at Boston Pizza so we'll see y'all there tough duck and of course Betway the Betway game recap coming a little bit later on this afternoon on the post game show thanks to all of you for joining us we hope you have a great Saturday we'll see you back again in uh, less than six hours time so a quick turnaround so whatever you're going to do please enjoy it do it safely for Dave Manouk in the top right for Ezra Ginsberg in the bottom middle I'm your host Drew Mandel if it's Saturday it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show
0: thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey for more great Illegal Curve content subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel Follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter,
3: Facebook and Instagram and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, illegalcurve.com.